All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to the inaugural episode of DJ's Win Championship. Myself, Travis, and my fellow host Bacchus and Tony, uh, we're here to talk. We're here to talk football, uh, everything from college, NFL, fantasy, a little sprinkle of gambling advice in there. Uh, but you know, nothing too serious. We're just here to kick back, drink a couple beers, and I'm uh, literally drinking a rum and pre-workout right now. Okay. All Desperate right, so. times. <laughs> Fucking disgusting. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta are, let them know where the degent comes from. Some of us uh, are here with a little bit more intensity than others, but uh, yeah, we're just here to have a good time and talk about some football. Uh, so, I guess one thing that's important for this podcast is uh, where our allegiances lie. Uh, so myself, Travis, I'm a I'm a diehard Longhorns fan, and uh, I'm in a rebu- uh, an abusive relationship with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, that meaning that I invest in them emotionally, and in return they hurt me. Uh, what about you, Tony? Jets, baby. Love the Jets. Get a touchdown. Love the Jets. <clears throat> uh, roll Dan Tide. And, uh, I guess I'm a Cowboys fan, you know, sometimes. <laughs> Same abusive relationship that I have with the Cowboys. Yeah, just, just real tired of them hurting my feelings. Uh, and Tony's also a, a UCLA fan for whatever that's worth. Uh, I don't really know that it means much, but... It's worth something. I, I get to watch them uh, win a game every once in a while, you know? That's always exciting. At yeah, I mean, fucking midnight. Yeah, the, the sissy blues of Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, they are sitting in the AP Top 25. Uh, for ahead now, Clemson, mind you. Yeah, ahead we're of Clemson. going places, baby. I don't know where, but we're going places above the entire ACC. Man. We're gonna be in the fucking AutoZone Bowl, dude. You watch. <laughs> the Stanley Steamer gets your carpet cleaner bowl. <laughs> Most televised event of the year. Uh, so speaking speaking of AP top twenty five. Uh, let's roll into that a little bit. We just got the rankings, uh, yesterday. Sitting at the top, still, uh, this may come as a shock to literally no one, uh, is Bacchus's Crimson Tide. Uh, so, I mean, they, they are 4-0, right? And they're obviously Alabama. Uh, but... No one's touched them this year. No, no one has There's even no come one. close. Yeah. Whoa, There's whoa, maybe whoa. Georgia, maybe UCLA. Well, see, my opinion is of the of the top twenty five as a whole, it is all. Every team's a little bit beatable. Bama hasn't looked fantastic, but they have looked. I mean, Bama levels of good. Uh, but to your Georgia point, saying maybe they can beat Bama is a considerable amount of credit. Well, uh, I would say at this point, Georgia I don't like, is an untested. Team. Florida almost got him. Florida did. Alabama was on the road in that one. Yeah, it was in the swamp. I agree, but uh, Florida almost got him. And as as Backish just said, Georgia's largely untested. Right? It was a big deal. Georgia was five. Clemson was three or two uh, at the time that they played. But now, in hindsight, how much does that game mean? Clemson is a two-loss team. Uh, I will. Very happily add. Well, not happily, uh, but they are the only two-loss team. They're the only <laughs> two-loss team in the top 25, uh, which is kind of a sham. Uh, but we'll get to that later. 
Well, that's <clears throat> another thing with like these early in the season rankings. Is it's all about the name. It is. Well, it is we, a we lot. Haven't hit an insane amount of substance with it, any of these teams. It is a lot name based, and there's yeah, there's a significant lack of substance across the board, particularly. Uh, so honestly, the three spot right, Oregon four and they beat OSU. I think OSU is a good team, uh, better than the kind of they're getting credit for at eleven. As much as that hurts to say, but I think they are a good team. Uh, the only problem with Oregon, though, is the Pac-12 never gets out of its own way in yeah. putting together a successful team. Like, Oregon's going to go – they're going to lose a game to, like, Utah or Arizona State or something. Shit, dude, they might lose this week. Who, who are they playing? They almost playing, lost to Arizona on Saturday. I don't remember who they're playing this week. Hang on, hang on. I got you. But I will say, oh, they're playing Stanford. Okay, Stanford they, they not a history. bad team. Stanford not not a bad team, not but a bad they're team. they're like I, don't think, I mean, obviously, I don't think they're good enough to beat Oregon, but yeah, but they're that kinda, could be like one of those games that I'm talking about. Yeah, like where Stanford just rolls in and knocks Oregon to seven. <laughs> well, I mean, much much lower than seven. The only thing that that can hold a Pac-12 team in the top four as we've seen with the years of the college football playoff, is really just remaining undefeated and winning the Pac-12. Those are your options to get in if you're not in the Big Ten or the SEC. Same thing for the Big 12. Oklahoma got in, but they were 12-0, and and they won the Big 12. Uh, and then they proceeded to get stomped, uh, which I'm not mad about. But, you know, um, I do think the biggest, the biggest sham in this whole kind of top 10 situation is a uh, – is Penn State at four? Georgia being four and zero, having beating at the time the number three team, uh, and a big name in the Clemson Tigers. Uh, them holding out at two as long as they stay undefeated. You know it is what it is. They do have a couple tough games coming up ahead. They have to play Arkansas, which is a team I'm about to talk about that has been very good. But uh, Penn State, their best win uh, is against Wisconsin, in my opinion. Auburn's just not very good. Wisconsin. And let's be honest, Wisconsin isn't but, you know, Penn, what Penn, we thought they could be after that Notre Dame game. Wisconsin's one of the worst offenses in the country. It's a, I would say a disgrace to football, putting them at the 12 o'clock slot. Notre Dame picked them off uh, approximately 14 times. Um, yeah. Yeah, Wisconsin's offense has done nothing but spin its tires. Their defense, uh, much to their defense's credit, has looked uh, – very, very good with uh, Jim Leonard at the helm as their defensive coordinator, uh, a former Jet. <laughs> um, but I just don't think Penn State rates that number four spot. I think there's two teams below them that very much do, uh, and that being I- I'll I'll make an argument for Iowa and not really feel it in my heart. But they did beat Iowa State, who was number nine at the time. And they did beat Indiana, who was ranked, I believe, 17 the first week of the season. Which, obviously, we kind of found out didn't really mean much because Indiana's kind of fallen on its face. But uh, they do have – they are 4-0. and And they do have uh, two wins against ranked teams. But really, my number four team in the country right now, uh, as much as it hurts to say after what they did to my Longhorns, is Arkansas. There are two teams 
in the top 10 uh, that have beaten a another top 10 team and beaten a ranked team along with that. So they have a win over a top 10 team and then a, a win over a top 25 team. And that's Arkansas and Iowa. Uh, Arkansas won by 10 against Texas A&M. They won by 20 against Texas, which at the time people were like, oh, Texas is just super soft. But I think in the coming weeks, we're going to find out that Arkansas is just kind of legit. Here's my, here's my opinions about Arkansas. Uh, <clears throat> Arkansas is playing exceptionally well. Uh, the thing is, I don't believe they have the talent to compete with uh, these other teams that are going to go in the top five. Like, if you look at last year, they're bottom the SEC. Right now, uh, under Sam Pittman, uh, who's honestly a pretty good coach, I would say, uh, <clears throat> they're out here just playing with their head on fire on both sides of the ball. It's it's amazing to look at. I just don't think they keep that up for the rest of the year. I'm expecting a big loss from them at some point. I don't know if it's going to be this week with them playing Georgia. Uh, well, if they lose to Georgia, not exactly unexpected, but it's coming. Yeah, I mean, I think they. I think they move low teens if they lose to Georgia in a close game. Maybe, maybe ten if they lose to Georgia in a close one. I think that's reasonable. Um, But I just, I don't take that win against Texas A&M super seriously after watching them come minutes away from losing to Colorado. That's true. You know, maybe Texas. A&M isn't all it's cracked up to be, but as far as the argument for them being eight versus an Iowa team who has a less impressive resume, uh, and I, I was number five, right, <clears throat> with with that less impressive resume, and I just I think Texas A&M is a better team than Iowa State by a pretty wide margin. I think Iowa State has kind of proved that. Um, well, and you also got to remember, like, at the end of the day, the rankings right now really don't matter. I mean, so they do, and they don't. I mean, they're not as important as they will be, you know, in November, right? In November, everybody's got a resume. You kind of know what every team's every team's made yeah, there, of. There's going to be teams that are going to go down. they got to win their conferences unless they're fucking an SEC team. Or Notre Dame, who just gets to be fatherless. Yeah, so I think that's that's the other thing, right? Uh, that kind of sucks. Is I don't see a path forward. Uh, unfortunately, where Notre Dame doesn't have a really good shot, even though they play, I think one more ranked team before the end of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then that that's it, right? But they could go undefeated. Uh, but I would hope that they go undefeated and they finish at, you know, five or six and don't make the college football playoff with a really... There's no way that happens. There's no way Notre Dame finishes undefeated and they don't make the playoffs. Oh, okay. No, they do. Okay, so they have a... Um, I can't believe I forgot that. They have Cincinnati this week, which I think Notre Dame beat Cincinnati. Notre Dame has essentially locked up that four spot because Penn State is is going to lose. Uh Iowa is one of those two teams is going to lose Penn State or Iowa because well, they they have to play they each have other. To. They they play each other. Yeah. yeah. 
So one of them has to lose. Uh, I think, honestly, Penn State has struggled through a lot of games. Uh, and so I think that Iowa probably comes out on top. It's really just can Iowa's defense do enough to keep them in the game. Like Penn State doesn't have a like doesn't have a great offense, but Iowa doesn't have a great offense either. I just think the Iowa defense is better than Penn State defense. My call for that game. Yeah, I mean Iowa's shown some more flashes of of big playability and things like that than Penn State. Penn State kind of plays that classic Big Ten football where it's a seven minute drive and maybe you kick a field goal at the end. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that is definitely one of the more that that game carries a lot of weight as far as the college football playoff um, in the coming weeks, and so does, in my opinion, the Cincinnati Notre Dame game because, uh, as Tony said, Notre Dame just finds a way in sometimes, and I think the number nine team, you know, technically upsetting, you know, they're so close in the rankings that it's barely even an upset, but uh, Notre Dame upsetting Cincinnati. Um, kind of gives them a a better look than uh, than Iowa has. Mainly, uh, it has a lot to do with the fact that Notre Dame just laid one on Wisconsin. Like they didn't just win; they didn't squeak out a win with a last second field goal. They they won by twenty something. Um, you well, you and I were talking about this pretty much until like the fourth quarter, where I think Notre Dame put up like fucking. 31 unanswered points on a Wisconsin team that I would say just gave up. Uh, the game was a lot closer than that final score suggests. So, I understand where you're coming from on that one, but really, to me, it wasn't so much that they gave up. It was that they were playing from behind and had to try to score and needed to score, and their offense just kind of isn't capable. Right? They they. And- Notre Dame took advantage of every single mistake made. So I, I got to hand it, like, as much as I don't want to see Notre Dame in the playoff, against they the played worst, a really good game that day. Against one of the worst offenses in college football, you got to you gotta account for that, too. They made them pay to the max on every yeah, mistake. But you know, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, Backus, that it doesn't really matter how bad the offense is. If your defense is bad... You're not taking advantage of mistakes. They're just mistakes that go unpaid for. So I think it says something about Notre Dame's defense that, like Tony said, they they made sure Wisconsin paid for every single one of those. I don't know. We're, we're talking about a team that had to go to overtime against Florida State, which I think is the actual worst team in the FBS. Excuse me, Vanderbilt fans. Uh... <laughs> okay, they're not. Just because you said the word Vanderbilt, you know they're not. <laughs> Vanderbilt is the worst team in the FBS. Maybe know, man. Vanderbilt held the number two team in the country to <laughs> a field goal on one of their drives. Things are looking the up number... in Nashville. I disagree strongly. <laughs> but moving on down the list past four and five, uh, number six should at most be number nine or ten in my book. Uh, they haven't had a convincing win. They're only number six because they're four and zero. Oh. And they started the the preseason rankings very high, and that is Oklahoma, of course. Their best win is against a what a hot take from you, Bacchus or Travis. <laughs> uh, look, I 
Rum and oh, uh, oh. pre workouts getting me jittery. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll back it up with some facts here, right? Their best win is against West Virginia, who is mm. two and two. Uh, and they won on a last second game winning drive to kick a field goal and win that football game. They haven't covered a spread against anyone other than Western Carolina, who they beat like seventy two to zero. But sure, it's a community college with a bunch of dudes who probably showed up half-baked to the game. Like, it's just, it, none of it is convincing. Tulane almost beat them week one. And I get it, it was week one. Some teams come out slow, rusty, whatever. But Tulane? No, sorry. Tulane's not a good football team. Tulane's one and three. <laughs> Tulane? Not good, not good opponents. Let me, let me tell you how you know Tulane's not a good football team. Tulane? Great law school. Next question. That's all you need to know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't think I think I think Oklahoma, just on the fact that they're four and zero, and that no other team in the Big Twelve is undefeated. Unfortunately, uh, I think they merit a top ten spot. I don't think it should be as high as six. Uh, I think. I personally, I would probably just flip flip Oklahoma and Arkansas because again, you have another team in Cincinnati who there's really nothing to sit. There's really nothing to say. They've played Indiana, who, as we've come to find out, is not good. They played Miami of Ohio and Murray State. None of those are convincing. Yet Cincinnati sits at three and zero and the number seven team in the country. Makes. Literally no sense. Uh, at the very least, I, I think, you know, it should be 5-6 and six, Arkansas and Iowa um, and maybe even 4-5 and five, Iowa-Arkansas or Arkansas-Iowa. Uh, and then Notre Dame, whatever. It's honestly, as much as I hate Notre Dame and they get overranked, uh, they beat two ranked teams this year. And they're sitting at nine behind Oklahoma and Cincinnati. Yeah, you do that, and you're undefeated. You're gonna be up high. Yeah, like that. Well, what I'm saying is Notre Dame has beaten two ranked teams, and they're sitting behind. Uh, I'm sorry, they beat one ranked team, and they're sitting behind Oklahoma and Cincinnati, who have beaten zero ranked teams, uh, and really zero teams all that convincingly, as far as like similar levels of of football, right? Like West West Virginia. He took to the last, literally the last seconds of the game for Oklahoma to close them out. Cincinnati let Indiana make it a game uh, for a while. They kind of ran away with it at the end. That is that more so than the Notre Dame Wisconsin game was a game that the the box score at the end didn't really kind of show you how close it was. Indiana had a chance for a while there, but um, yeah, I think Oklahoma is a better fit for nine, and then we could just move everybody else up one. Or two, maybe here or there. But uh, honestly, not too bad. Florida, Florida's kind of a weird one because they did take uh, the Crimson Tide down to the wire in that game. But that's the best thing on their resume um, is losing. I mean, that that's saying something, though. Well, so, no, so I, I agree. You, you can't about, pretend that's nothing. That, that is something. But here's the thing about Florida. Uh, they haven't figured out their quarterback situation which they're a really great team 
outside of that, their defense is still, you know, a fl- the Florida defense from last year, it's still really good. They answered a lot of questions that they had coming into this year when they weren't returning a whole lot of uh, starters due to the transfer portal and graduation. Uh, kind of the same thing on offense. The only thing they haven't figured out is their quarterback. Like, they put up 245 rushing yards on Alabama, uh, if I remember correctly, which, that's really good. That's insane. Uh, if they had a halfway decent quarterback, whether that's Emory Jones or Anthony Johnson, they're coming away with that win, sitting at the number two spot in the, in the country. Mm, I think you beat number one in your 4-0. You're number one. I don't know if Georgia's got really. I don't know if Georgia's got a leg to stand on to be number one, but. Well, they beat the at the time the number three team in the country, Clemson, which is why I think they would they would keep number one. But back to my point, uh, until Florida answers that question, which I don't think they do with Emory Jones, no matter how many games he plays, I don't. I think they're losing at some point this year. They got to play Georgia. I think. What I really think is going to be the case, right, if they don't figure out the quarterback situation, is Florida's going to find a way, based on talent and pretty good coaching uh, alone, to win basically every game against, like, the more the, – the lesser SEC teams, right? Like, so far, their, their three wins are against Tennessee, USF, and Florida Atlantic. None of those are powerhouses, right? Like, Tennessee hasn't been good since Peyton Manning played there. I mean – they're in a they're in a soft SEC East too, outside of Florida and Georgia. You know, like normal, but they gotta go through Georgia. I don't think yeah. they got, I don't think they have what it takes, giving a little preview for uh, whenever that game comes up in October. No, yeah, I I mean I I essentially agree uh, wholeheartedly. Without the quarterback thing figured out, I don't think they have a chance, but it's probably gonna end up being a close game, just like the Bama game. Uh, but it's not, I don't think Florida's going to come out with the win. And I think they're going to be a two-loss team and just kind of be out of the conver- out of this whole conversation. They'll probably finish with two losses, the two top five teams. They'll probably finish in the high teens. Uh, but it kind of is what it is. Uh, looking past Florida... Not really a whole lot going on. I mean, you got Ohio State sitting at 11 after their loss to Oregon. I don't think Ohio State... So, my personal take, I think Ohio State is better than at least a few of the teams that they that are ranked ahead of them. But I don't think they are that, you know, air quotes, championship caliber team this year, uh, specifically. So, my thing about Ohio State is uh, they had a, a tough loss to Oregon uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, and I think much like uh, A&M and Clemson, uh, they're a team that has to kind of find their identity. Uh, and much like A&M and Clemson, it's not going well for them. Uh, they have a lot of players that, you know, came in expecting to be competing for national championship national championships every year. Uh, and they're looking at this year, and it's not really happening. So there's, like, some locker room dramas. Uh, they had a linebacker. Uh, they had one quit, I think, two weeks ago. And then another one quit mid-game this week. Yep. So Just uh, walked off the field, threw his gloves into his stands, tried to take off his jersey, and threw his, 
jersey into the stands in the middle of the Akron game. Uh, yeah, I agree completely. I think mentally Ohio State's in a tough spot because, like you said, um, you know, a lot of those players expected to, you know, like I'm, I'm a five-star recruit. I walk into Ohio State, and every year Ohio State is competing for a national championship. Uh, well, in order to do that, you got to beat teams like Oregon, and they couldn't. Um, so here they sit. And I don't think they're out of the question for making the playoff, but I do think uh, the only way they do is if there's three unbeaten teams at the end of the year. And that four spot has to go to a one-loss team. And it'll go to one of the conference champions, be it Pac-12. Well, realistically, three unbeatens would probably mean Oregon stays unbeaten and wins the pack. That's the only way that happens. Yeah. Uh, so it would either be the Big 12 champion, which could be Oklahoma, or the Big 10 champion, which usually, history speaking, uh, it's been the Big 10 champion. We got to see how uh, you know everything in the Big 10 shakes out. This is the most open year in uh, the playoff history, so It's yeah, it's it really is. You're seeing a kind of dissolve of those just constant power team, with the exception of Alabama. Yeah, I mean, Alabama I mean, is whatever. Alabama still looks beatable. Yeah, but I don't know. But until they're beaten, yeah, you you they're just the top. There's yeah, there's still Alabama until somebody beats them, but and and they don't. I'm probably I'm I'm definitely not as familiar with the the rest of their schedule as you are, Bacchus, but. I'm pretty sure they don't really get a test until the SEC championship from this point forward. Oh, um, I, I could, could be wrong. Well, funny you're saying that. They got Ole Miss this week. Mm. Our next team. Uh, the next team on the top 25. <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot about that. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, honestly, in my opinion, this is the, uh, the biggest test for Bama this year. I wasn't really sold on the Florida game. It ended up being really close, um, but I think the biggest problem and the Florida game kind of showed that with you know playing against a team who doesn't have a great offensive kind of thing going, they don't really have an identity on offense yet. Bama gave up twenty nine points and they only scored thirty one, so you know that's that's kind of how football works, right? Like you can't let the other guy score more, and Florida. If I remember correctly, yeah, Florida. If I remember correctly, had the ball at the had the had the ball at the end of the game, uh, and had a chance to win it. So they did, but you know, going to like what Back said earlier, they had the ball at the end, had to win it, but they don't have a quarterback. Right. Which here's the thing, Ole Miss has a quarterback, Matt Corral. Is, is a very solid quarterback. And unfortunately, he has Lane Kiffin uh, as, you know, his head coach slash offensive guru, uh, who Lane Kiffin's a, a freaking wizard on offense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a blanket statement. Uh, the best offense in college football is Ole Miss. Oh. Uh, I, bar none. Yeah, that is a factual statement. If you, if you look at the rankings, uh, they are – by far, way ahead of any team, like, on their caliber. Yeah. Uh, and I really, 
uh, I really think that it's going to be kind of a weird game. It's not going to be SEC football, and Bama's been shifting away from that whole image in past years anyway where it's, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust football and it's a 12-9 game and you get the win. That's how the SEC plays football. It just means more. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, the new Bama is drop 40 and then put it on cruise control. And if they start getting kind of close, drop 14 more and then put it back on cruise control. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see a game where Bama can never let off the gas pedal on offense and also on defense. Like they, they're, you're going to have to get stops against an Ole Miss team that will do everything in its power to not let you do that. Um, it's it's going to be the same, the same game it was last year. It's going to be a shootout. Uh, unfortunately for me and my Crimson Tide, uh, our offense just doesn't look as up to snuff it did last year on a under Mac Jones. Uh, and something interesting to look at, Alabama's run defense, which is the reason Florida was able to put 29 points on them, not as good as it's been in years past. Ole Miss's run, like, rushing offense, great, especially with their quarterback runs, which is Nick Saban's, you know, it's his Achilles heel uh, in years past. And that's so, another thing that really can't be overlooked is, for me, it's not if, it's it's really just when. This old Miss beat Bama in the regular season because Lane Kiffin spent time with Nick Saban and he spent time in the Alabama system and now he's playing at Ole Miss and he's got a knack for recruiting good offensive players. Um, you don't go from Old Miss being kind of trash to Lane Kiffin gets there and they score 60 points a game just because. Uh, I feel like he has a lot to do with it and it's definitely – Probably going to be the best game of the weekend, if you like offense. Um, Moving down a little bit, not really a whole lot going on. Michigan is ranked at 14, up from 19, which is... Soft. They are soft, soft, but, you know, it's it's worth talking about. It's the... Are you skipping skipping over BYU? Yeah, I don't really really care about BYU. There's not much to talk about there. Uh, I mean, like, there's not any group of fives getting in at Cincinnati. BYU winning out. uh, It's not. Yeah, it's not good enough. Yeah. Um, Their best opponents were Utah and Arizona State. They got Baylor, but you know. Well, Baylor has to play. We'll talk about Baylor. (laughs) Yeah, Baylor has to play (laughs) other teams along the way, but uh, yeah, Michigan. Um. If I'm not mistaken, it's the highest ranking they've achieved under the Jim Harbaugh tenure. Uh, so, you know, that's something. I don't think they're going to win every game. I don't think they're going to win the Big Ten. I think maybe, just maybe, this might be the year that Jim Harbaugh beats Ohio State. Right. But that's down the road. I was just so about to bring that same that. point up. <laughs> I, I was think, just about to say that same oh, thing. I'm I think so this is the year it finally happens. I think he might go 1-7 and seven instead of 0-8. Oh uh, and I think a, a large part of that is due to what we were talking about earlier. Is just that, you know, it's a it's a thing that you can see very very publicly happening at Ohio State with players being unhappy. And has Ryan Day ever been tested in the regular season? Has he ever had to fight to win games in the regular season? No, he's lost in the playoffs a lot. But that's it. Uh, 
Oregon was literally his first loss in the regular season as Ohio State's head coach. Uh, and I don't know how well he's going to come out of it, and I don't know how well the team's going to come out of it. I think we can kind of see the the shadows of something that could be potentially bad if coaching staff at Ohio State doesn't get their hands on it. But, uh, yeah. So I do think that this could be the year that that Jim Harbaugh gets rid of that goose egg against Ohio State. Uh, Texas A&M down from seven. I like that they stayed top 15. I mean, they are 15. But I do like that they didn't plummet to 21 or 22 or something like that because I think Arkansas is really good. Um, and really, it was a 10-point game at the end of the day, right? Like, that's a good win for Arkansas, but it's not an awful loss for Texas A&M. <clears throat> um, Coastal, who cares? Michigan State looked really good. Don't think it matters. Fresno State looks good. Don't think it matters. I, I, I disagree on Michigan State. I think Michigan State is going to pull pull an upset over against somebody else at some point. I don't know who, but so I, I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bullshit anyone. I don't think Michigan State's going undefeated. Uh, no. I I do think they're good. Uh, I don't think uh, anyone's gonna have an answer for uh, their running back who's leading uh, the nation right now. Yeah. Damn, I had his name pulled up. I don't want to. Kenneth Walker the third. Yeah. You distinguished a gentleman. <laughs> Correct. Uh, yeah. I mean, so the the biggest, really, the only big thing coming up for Michigan State is obviously they play Michigan every year. Um, yep. And that's in that is week. Seven? It's on uh, October 30th. Week 8. Sorry, it's week 8, yeah. So they play Michigan week 8. And I think, you know, there's a chance if Michigan wins uh, all their games between now and then, which realistically they've got Wisconsin this weekend. Uh, it's a fat chance they lose to Wisconsin. Like, really, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think right now the line has Wisconsin favored to win. But I don't think Wisconsin is figuring out their offense in one week of practice. Um, and then they've got, by all accounts, a tough Michigan Wolverines team to go up against on Saturday. So I really don't think that's going to happen. Nebraska, they're 2-3. and three, Not much else to say. And then Northwestern is 2-2 two and two before they get to the Spartans. So I do think Speaking the Spartans have Michigan a chance to play. Go ahead. I think they have, looking at their schedule right now, uh, those last two weeks, that's probably the toughest college football. They got Ohio State at home, and then they're playing Penn State to finish out the season. They got Ohio State in Columbus? It, yeah, in Columbus. In Columbus. That is, yeah, that's a tough game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think the, the Spartans realistically um, – have a chance to finish very strongly, but I don't see it. Like you said, I don't see them going undefeated. I see them picking up one, two, maybe three, maybe three losses along the way. Maybe they lose to all those teams. Maybe four. Rutgers is, uh, I think this week. Oh, sorry. Rutgers is next week. They got Western Kentucky. They get a a little breather before they get Rutgers. And this is not a bad Rutgers team. This Rutgers team is three and L going to Michigan. And, 
lost by one score. <clears throat> not too shabby. Uh, as open as it can be with not a whole lot of offense. Correct. Except for that's the thing that kind of sets Michigan apart is that they have the best offense in the Big Ten right now. I mean, sure, Ohio State's probably put up more points, but they also dropped like 70 on Akron, who it's Akron. You know, like they're the, the zips, yeah, or the zaps or whatever. No, it's they're a joke. Uh, so that's not really impressive. In fact, they beat Akron so bad, one of their players literally quit in the middle of the game. So, that, you know. <laughs> He gave up on football because Akron sucked that bad. It made him sad. (laughs) Uh, It's an official statement. Uh, Yeah, and then moving down, Fresno State, not a bad team. I think they could be the team that snags a a really disappointing upset for one of the the good Pac-12 teams this year. Well, they almost have, like, a couple times, Well, they did beat uh, UCLA, and they took Oregon pretty close. I think they lost by, like, eight. They lost by seven, I'm pretty sure. It yeah. was like 22-29 or something. Something like that, uh, yeah. Fortunately for the Pac-12, UCLA doesn't play any of them again. Or Fresno State doesn't play any of them again. Apologies. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think the Pac-12 has moved into strictly Pac-12 in yeah. their schedule. Yeah. Uh, I will say, um, unless Boise State does something in Fresno State in November, Fresno State is... Uh, I don't think Boise State's going to They're going 11-1. Uh, and <laughs> I I love Fresno State. Uh, Jake Hayner, their, uh, their quarterback, I love this kid. He just finds a way to win games. Like, all of their, like almost all of their wins, besides, like, UConn, who they just whooped in uh, Cal Poly, have been just last-second comeback wins. It's, it's amazing to see. Yeah. I'm really excited to watch Fresno State play uh, – Almost at you know one in the morning for the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, and then moving down, some kind of interesting ones just because they play this week, uh, and it means a little bit of something. Nineteen Oklahoma State, twenty-one Baylor. Um, you know Baylor's undefeated. Uh, they look like a good team this year. That being said, uh. Same score as the Alabama-Florida game, 31-29 against uh, number 14 at the time, now unranked, Iowa State. Uh, Then they dropped 45 on Kansas. They dropped 66 on Texas Southern. And they squeaked by nine-point win. Maybe not squeaked by, but they they didn't play that well against Texas State, but that was week one, so uh, nothing really – doesn't really carry a lot of weight. Got to kind of take that one with a grain of salt. But I think this Oklahoma State – this Oklahoma State game definitely does uh, carry some weight. And honestly, I mean, of course, you know, it's the Big 12, so Baylor's got to get through, you know, Oklahoma State this week, then West Virginia, who's not really a bad team at all. Um, they took the number six team in the country down to the wire. I'll say it again. Uh, and then they got number 13 right now, uh, BYU. Which, uh, you know, looking at BYU's schedule by all intents and purposes, they should be 6-0 and by the time they play Baylor um, and still ranked pretty high. Uh, and then they got to get through the rest of the Big 12 gambit, uh, including 
a Texas team, which the Texas Texas matchups nine times out of ten. Obviously, the Texas Tech game kind of being the exception this year. They usually put up a pretty good fight. Doesn't matter how good one team is, uh, it'll be a shootout and it'll kind of come down to the wire. Uh, same thing goes for TCU. I don't think Tech's that good, uh, but they play Tech the last week of the season, and they have to they have to play Oklahoma in November. So you could see, um, could potentially see Baylor kind of hop on a rocket ship and climb up the rankings uh, before the I'm end gonna, of the season. I'm going to cover just the rest of the Big Twelve, like real quick. Uh, outside of Kansas, I think every one of these teams has shown enough that they can beat anyone else. Uh, so yes, it's I the think most Big Twelve have ever seen. This may be one of those years where just no one gets in because they just will they do the Pac-12 thing and everyone just beats everybody. No, uh, yeah. So I I don't think Oklahoma is going 12 and 0. I just don't just because of what you said basically. The rest of the Big 12 is good enough to put up a considerable fight and it might just come down to you know one throw where Spencer Rattler gets hit and boom, somebody catches it, it's a pick six. And Oklahoma loses the game on some stuff like that. Or, you know, they could, uh, with all the scratching and clawing, they they could just not have it one week. And they could just lose kind of big to somebody. But uh, I, I heard a good analogy for Oklahoma, metaphor, if you will. Uh, Oklahoma is the guy at the party who you're like, oh, man, that guy's going to throw up. But he doesn't. He just holds it in. And, like, you're on the ride home, and you're like, man... He's going to fucking puke in the car, get outside, and nope, he's good. At some point, Oklahoma's going to lose their lunch. They're just going to throw it all yeah. out there and lose I think one, this is a, two games. This is a bad year uh, to be a Big 12 team that has holes in it. I think the only way that a Big 12 team was making the playoff this year is, like I said before, you know, at the end of the season, there's, there's three undefeated teams, and the four spot's kind of wide open. And it just comes down to, like, how convincing were the wins, who beat the most ranked teams, things like that. Uh, but I do think, like you said, with the exception of Kansas, every team in the Big 12 can beat every other team. Uh, yeah, so past them, uh, UCLA, sure. Um, hey, hey, they're all right. <laughs> they are all right. <laughs> Um, I mean, if you look at it seriously, they win out, which I don't think they will. That includes a win over Oregon at a one-loss Pac-12 team. Yeah, no. a shot. I absolutely think one, as a one-loss team with a win over Oregon, I I think they, they sneak in at four. Um, because technically, now LSU has proven otherwise since, but technically uh, they did beat LSU which was a win over a ranks team and not really an unconvincing win. I mean, it was by two scores uh, and they're, well, I guess Fresno state kind of already pulled off their upset and beating UCLA. Um, and like in an outside of Oregon, UCLA's next biggest threat is this week with Arizona state. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, Arizona State definitely hasn't looked bad. Um, they lost by like 10, I think, to BYU, who's now ranked 13, uh, which as an unranked team, losing by 10 to a, a now top 15 team, it's like, you know, okay, you were kind of supposed to lose, you know? Like, it is what it is, but they uh, they at least made it a game. But um, I will say something that carries a lot of weight with me personally, the Arizona State-UCLA game is Pac-12 after dark football, uh, a 10.30 Eastern time kickoff, which means wild <laughs> shit is 100% guaranteed to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is going to be a shootout. I, I'm hoping for, what was it, 2019, Washington State, UCLA. It was like a 70-75 to 75 game. It was Midnight in yeah. fucking dose. Yeah, it was absolute insanity. There was like fucking 16 touchdowns in that game. If I can call how this game's going to end, it is going to end with a fourth quarter turnover that makes no damn sense. Just a straight a to the defense interception. The one, a fumble on the one-yard line. <laughs> As time expires. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then kind of moving down to the last few teams, Auburn I think is just bad and doesn't really have a place in this whole top 25 uh, atmosphere. North Carolina State, I don't think they're going to stick, but hey, I like to see I like to see them with that number 23 next to their name because they knocked off a uh, not even debatably just a just a bad Clemson team. Uh, and that that's another thing, like I was saying with Ohio State, uh, Clemson did not take that loss well. They, you know, they lost in double overtime to an unranked team as the number nine team in the country, and they're they're Clemson. They're not supposed to do that. They're supposed to win. They're supposed to play for national championships every year. Um, you know, awesome. even went as far as one of the Clemson one of the Clemson players spit on the face of an NC State fan on the way off the field when NC State stormed the field. Like it, just as an attitude. I think Clemson's in a bad place, um, and I also think it is kind of a sham that they're in the top 25, and they are the only two-loss team. But, uh, you know, like Tony said earlier, it is still early, and it is a, it's a name game. It's a popularity contest, you know, uh, a little bit. But I think there's teams – sitting right outside. So you got Clemson came in with 138 votes uh, as the number 25 team. And then right outside the top 25, you had Texas at 131 votes, Maryland at 91, uh, and then San Diego State, Boston College, and SMU with anywhere from 57 to 44 votes. Those last three, not so much, but I think Maryland or Texas honestly could have taken that spot. I, I'll throw away my bias and say Maryland's 4-0. Give them 25. Um, even though I think Texas's one loss has proven to kind of be a quality loss. I mean, we lost by 20. I get that. But Arkansas is a damn good team that I think has a shot to play for a, a national title this year. Uh, if they, like you said earlier, Beck, is if they keep playing uh, like men possessed. I think they got a tough West schedule to get through. I mean... Yeah, but SEC schedule in general starting I, this week. I agree 100%, but they went out and lose in the SEC championship. You can't keep Arkansas out. There's no viable argument to keep them out. I don't know. So if they lose in the SEC championship, they're playing Florida or Georgia. 
Georgia again, uh, or Florida for the first time, I believe. Uh, but the thing is, looking ahead, I don't think they have the offense to keep up with Ole Miss. It's really just going to come down to, can their defense stop Ole Miss? Yeah, but, I mean, you also got to look at the look at the flip side of that coin, and it's, can Ole Miss's defense stop just the battery of running backs and quarterback runs and the occasional pass, which uh, Arkansas's quarterback hasn't looked that bad in the passing game. They just don't do it a lot because if nobody stops the run, what's the point of putting the ball in the air? Um, you know, can Ole Miss's defense hang? And it, you know, Arkansas has shown the ability to, to score points uh, against lesser defenses, can, namely can Texas. They, can they score 60? 65? I, that, that's what's going to take. Mean, it remains to be seen, but uh, I think that Arkansas defense with their their weird 3-2 dropping eight guys into coverage thing that they got going on, I think that's a... As a, as a big fan of NCAA 14... I love that. I love that defense. <laughs> I I think I think it holds some weight, and I th- think it's going to force Ole Miss to the ground. But you know, we'll see. I don't know. So so closing thoughts on on the top twenty five. Really, the top ten kind of have some problems with. Um, feel like there could be some movement, but. If you're in the top ten and you hang tough, you got a shot at getting in the top four, which is what everybody wants to do. Uh, and past the top ten, you know, there's a couple teams that, if literally everything goes their way, like Michigan, uh, they they maybe got a shot. And it's still early, so any of the undefeated teams in a Power Five conference in the lower half realistically all have a shot. You know, like I was saying earlier, Baylor very well could win out and be the Big 12 champion. And, uh, you know, why not put them in? It's a Big 12 team that's not Oklahoma. So I'm good with that. Uh. All right, moving on. Uh, yeah, so we, we kind of covered it already. Um, let's just talk, talk a couple matchups that we got going on this weekend. So we covered, uh, Ole Miss, Alabama. Uh, I'll give you a free pass on that, Bacchus, uh, if you would like to enact it to not have to pick for or against your team. But, uh, how do you, how do you feel about it? Tony, I'm going Alabama. They're winning by more than two touchdowns. You think so? I think so. Um, I think right around where that line is at, which I think is 14 and a half. Yep. I think you're going to be around there. That's what I was about to say. I so I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I am. Backus is nervous. You know, you never want to say your team's going to win by fucking 800 points because that's when they shit the bed. That's when they, uh, they oh, lose I, by I 95. Don't even, I don't even believe that's going to happen. I think it's going to be. I've been saying the Jets are going to win every game for 12 years. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, but, uh, 
I think the line is is fair because of how good Alabama is, but I also think basically what it's going to come down to is just the number of of non-scoring drives, right? Like how many times can the defense force a a three and out or just, you know, a punt, which I don't think there's going to be a lot of punts in this game. I think it may come down to one or two drives where the offense couldn't get any points, uh, and I think that's definitely going to be the the difference maker. And I think I think in a backed up by historical evidence here that Alabama is going to be more capable of forcing those stops um, than Ole Miss will be. But at the same time, there's kind of the factor of uh, Alabama getting gashed by some big runs or some big quarterback runs, whatever it may be. Um, so I, I think the line is fair just based on how good Alabama is, but I think uh, that Ole Miss is going to I don't think Alabama's covering 14 and a half. I think it'll be more like a, a one touchdown or a, a 10 point victory for Alabama. Even if it's, you know, Ole Miss is down 21 and they get a garbage time touchdown and they lose by 14. I think 14, I don't think there's a lot of field goals in this game. I think a nice round 14 is a, is a reasonable spot to see Ole Miss losing in a, you know, fucking 63 to. 59 game or some shit like that or 49 game I don't know it all comes down to if we can fix the uh, the problems on defense and offense that we had from the uh, Florida game uh, doesn't mean much I know you guys rag on me for watching Alabama game Alabama playing uh, cupcake teams every week uh, but I will say the Alabama team that played Southern Miss versus the one that played uh, Mercer uh they look a lot better, so I hope they carry that forward into this game and the rest of the SEC schedule. Yeah, I mean, I also really think that there's a chance. It, I think it's smaller than than the chance of it being a good game, but I, I do think that there's a chance that this Ole Miss-Alabama game goes the way of Miami-Alabama, in which you see a theoretically very good offense uh, of Miami. Just mm. kind of crash and burn in front of you know uh in front of your face uh unlike Miami I think Old Miss is the real deal <laughs> I agree I'm just saying that there's kind of a a remote chance that it goes that way um, I think we're doing a lot of uh circling back here to our original discussion when we were talking our top 25 <laughs> all right let's keep it going we got our picks I think we all picked yeah we'll together. keep rolling <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I'm going Alabama in a, I'd say seven to 14 point victory. Um, what do you think, Tony? I already, uh, gave my pick. I, I'm taking that Alabama line. I think they win by more than two touchdowns. All right, Alabama, all right. winning by 10. Winning by 10. I'm sorry that you had to do that. Now, honestly, what could shape up to be the best game of the weekend? Uh, we didn't really cover it too much uh, in the top 25 discussion. Uh, Cincinnati-Notre Dame. And I think the, the biggest thing here is, does Cincinnati kind of prove that they're legit 
despite having a lackluster, a very lackluster, in my opinion, resume um, against a Notre Dame team that, for, you know, as much as it pains me to say, kind of has proven that they're worthy of the ranking that they have. Maybe it's a little high, but it's not the typical Notre Dame. You know, they're 10 spots higher than they should be on the AP Top 25. Um, so, uh, in this one, I'm going to go ahead and pick Notre Dame. I think they're coming off a win that made them really confident. I think their defense played well. I think we're going to see that come out again. And I think it's going to be probably pretty close, but I'm going to go Notre Dame by a touchdown. Yeah, um, I'd agree. Um, I right, go ahead, Vegas. I don't even think it's going to be close. Uh, Cincinnati's an untested team. Played their best wins over Indiana, uh, which preseason would have been a very good win. Uh, but I don't think they have enough to keep up with the Irish at this point. Pains me to say it, but I'm not. we're not getting a group of five team in the playoffs this year. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, Notre Dame's going to get the win here. Uh, I don't know by how much, you know, the line's at four, four points. Uh, I think – 90, you know, 99%, nine games out of 10, 99 games out of 100, whatever you want to say. Uh, Notre Dame covers that and then some. Um, you know, I think there's a small chance that we're all kind of underestimating Cincinnati and it ends up being, you know, something like the West Virginia-Oklahoma game last week where it's like Notre Dame's got to drive and kick a field goal to win the game at the end. But I really just don't see that. Cincinnati hasn't played anybody this tough. And the only time they got close, as Becca said, was the Indiana game. And uh, they let Indiana hang around for a long time. And if you do that against this particular Notre Dame team, it's uh, it's kind of bad news. Um, all right, so let's talk. Let's talk upsets. Who's uh? Who's got an upset alert? Backus, you want to start us off? All right. I'm so glad you asked. I think Kansas State, Oklahoma. Uh, Kansas State hasn't looked too good. They haven't looked too bad this year. However, against Oklahoma, they always play well. And this is a vulnerable, vulnerable Oklahoma team. Uh, This week we had Oklahoma fans uh, booing Spencer Rattler uh, at home uh, in their last game, uh, calling to bench him. And they needed the Oklahoma players to rally around Spencer Rattler. So what they did is they all got on Spencer Rattler's Instagram to tell him how much they support him. Uh, that means one of two things in my book. That means either this team is about to collapse or this team's about to rally. Uh, however, I don't know if they, uh, I don't know if they have enough right now to beat Kansas State. I'm calling Kansas State with the upset. I like it. All right. Uh, I'm going to stay a little bit closer to earth. And, um, <laughs> I'm going to uh, – <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was a that was a little bit of a moonshot. Uh, I've got a couple things to um, say about that one once you're done, Tony. But go ahead. So my upset, I'm going Colorado over USC. Uh, this Colorado team's coming off two pretty bad losses to Arizona State and Minnesota. The game before that – 
they uh, they almost beat Texas A&M. Granted, like in probably the worst football game I've ever watched. <laughs> but um, USC, like that that team's in shambles. They got an interim head coach. They just gave up forty five points to Oregon State at home. Oregon State <laughs> exists so that Pac twelve teams have someone to bully. <laughs> And I'm I'm taking Colorado at home on this one. Uh, they got pretty good betting odds if you're into that. I love uh, I love the home dogs are out there. I love me a good home underdog. Uh, I'm with you on that. I think Colorado's got a real shot. They're a one and three team, but I don't know how much that means. Um, uh, as far as Bacchus's goes, I don't think this is the year. Just because, so I would be with you 100% if uh, Oklahoma State, Kansas State had gone different. If Kansas State had won or played that game a little bit closer, they lost by 11. Um, I think I would be on the Kansas on the Kansas State ship with you, but I don't think that's the one this week. Uh, but unlike Tony. I'm going to rock it as far away from the planet Earth as possible. Uh, and I'm going to say right now, Arkansas has the the damnedest good chance of upsetting the number two team in the country of anyone that, that Georgia is going to play for the rest of the year. And I just think Arkansas finds a way to get the damn thing done and they beat Georgia and kind of shock the world. Um, I love Arkansas here. And, you know, bias aside, because the more Arkansas wins, the the better that loss looks uh, for Texas. But I just think. Travis, all I'm going to say on that take is uh, you promised me a take to fucking deep space. And you hit me with the Jeff Bezos <laughs> fucking low orbit bullshit. I texted him to space. <laughs> the flying wiener. <laughs> uh... <laughs> All right, man, look, like, that's just, that's my, like, that's my high drama upset of the week, right? You got eight playing. I mean, it's definitely the highest profile. Yeah, you got eight but... playing two, and I just think it's a big, it's a big one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of my upset alert. Georgia better watch their ass, because that Arkansas team is, is kind of proven that they're not to be trifled with. Um, and if they come out, if, if Georgia comes out dead after a, uh, real easy walk in the park type win against literally the worst team in college football, uh, the most we're a baseball team in college football in Vanderbilt, uh, I think Georgia's going to pay for it. I don't know. I don't think this is the week the dogs lose. Out, I don't either, but these are underdog picks. So yeah, out outside outside of that, a couple couple other ones I wanna I wanna float by y'all. Um, Wisconsin, Michigan, just a flyer. I know Wisconsin can't score points, but I just I don't trust Michigan. Oh. Fences, I don't trust Michigan to win. So that's what I'm saying here. Uh, I don't. I and I'm don't thinking there's also a good chance you just see Wisconsin recover and rally back. Yeah, and you know Not sometimes, sometimes. put their defense. 
sometimes you like you watch a game and you actively watch a team lose a football game and you're not watching a team win you're just watching another team lose the game and i think that could be what Jim michigan Harbaugh does can do that <laughs> yeah he can find he will find a way um also it's a kind of a lame one but uh you know oklahoma state could beat baylor that's just kind of a thing but uh yeah. All right, so let's move on to uh to Bacchus's segment where Bacchus talks Bacchus Bacchus's bear traps of the week. Let's go. These are let's go. these are the biggest uh the biggest trap game. Uh, and if you're kind of new to the college football world, essentially the idea of a trap game is a uh, a team has a an easy win and then they kind of have that, you know, Super Bowl hangover type thing going on. Uh, and they, they come out flat the next week because they're like, oh, we won by 50 last week, so what do we need to try? They come out a little slow, and they get beat by a team that they probably shouldn't lose to. So uh, take it away, Baggis. Uh, I got two. I don't know if they necessarily qualify for either of those. Uh, this one, I don't know who's who it's a trap for. It's a trap for somebody. Uh, Boston College Clemson. Boston College coming off a uh, great, great overtime win uh, against Mizzou. And Clemson coming off an overtime loss against North Carolina State. 0-2 for the first time. Fans are calling for Davos Sweeney to get fired. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Boston College uh, played him close last year with uh, DJ Uyunglele, uh his one start, I believe, last year. No, I played him close last year. I think they got him this year. Clemson offense isn't what it used to be. Uh, DJ had two starts last year, both losses, just for the record. <laughs> Oh, the no, the, the Notre I, Dame. I forgot about Notre yeah. Dame. <laughs> yeah, Notre Dame and BC were both uh, DJ starts and DJ losses last year. But, um, yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, honestly, if I was to, to rerun that that last little bit, and my moon, my moonshot upset would be Boston College just because I think um, uh, – This year I don't Boston think it's College, moonshot. <laughs> yeah, I mean – I just think Boston College likes the idea of beating Clemson, right? That was kind of my my thing that I I said last year is like it almost looks as if a team shows up and they walk out on the field like we're going to beat Clemson. Clemson could lose. Uh, And it didn't happen except for the Notre Dame game, but that was kind of a different situation because Notre Dame was good last year. But, um, yeah, this year it's – this year there's blood in the water, and uh, Boston College is four and zero, coming off a tough win, and I think they come to this game with a chip on their shoulder and make it close, make it really, really close if they don't win. Um, but yeah, what else you got? Uh, I got well, I guess I got two more actually. Uh, so we have NC State, Louisiana Tech, same thing. Uh, NC State. Uh, in the past, known for just nipping around the ACC, just destroying BCS hopes for the playoff. Yeah, let's go Wolfpack. Uh, big, big overtime win against Clemson. Louisiana Tech, 2-2. Two and two. I don't think the Wolfpack has it in them. I think we got, I think we got Louisiana Tech uh, in a close one. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm okay with it for NC State. You know, they came out. They fought and they fought and they fought through four quarters and then they fought through two overtimes 
and they beat that Clemson team. And you know what? If they don't win another game all year, whatever, dude. Wolfpack showed up and stomped the Tigers, and that is what it is. Like, they'll end the season, uh, you know, having beaten the Tigers. And I, to me, I mean, I'm not an NC State fan by any by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but man, it's good enough for me. You know, <laughs> they did their thing. They were plucky and they hung around and uh, they beat a team that nobody thought they were going to beat. Uh, and my last bear trap, uh, LSU at Auburn. Got some interesting things going around uh, for Auburn. Almost lost to uh, Georgia State. Had to bench a dark horse Heisman candidate, Bo Nix, in, uh, in favor of former LSU quarterback, TJ Finley. Uh <laughs> to barely win on a very questionable uh, call, uh, in my opinion. Did not look like a completed pass on the uh, six-yard line. Uh, and, yeah, T.J. Finley has to go play his former team. And I believe he has them in Baton Rouge this year. Yeah, it is a, it is a home game for uh, LSU. Again, yeah. home underdogs. Gotta love them. Ooh. Red stick at night. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I think I like it comes that. down to... comes down to... Does Auburn have that odd year magic? Based on a... You know, that call in the Georgia State game and a, a call in the Penn State game that lost Penn State an entire down. Maybe they do. But, hey, look. I, I think that one falls more or less on Penn State's coach to not... You know, put up a oh, fight yeah. there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That's it for uh, Bax's Bear Traps. I don't have any more. We already talked about Arizona State, UCLA. Dude, we got to get you a sweet, uh, sweet little sound intro for these. <laughs> I don't know what a bear uh, sounds like. We'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bear roar. We'll get a soundboard. <laughs> uh, yeah, so moving on. Uh, I got a couple of my top juiciest lines in college football for the week. Um, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone here, but uh, and I'm uh, just for the record, I'm using DraftKings for all these. Obviously, not a sponsor or anything, just uh, my favorite sports book to use. Um, so first up, easy money here in my opinion, Arkansas at Georgia. It's a road game for Arkansas. Don't love that aspect, but I pretty much love every other aspect, right? So Georgia's shown the ability to score good points. So is Arkansas. They both have good defenses, but I think the offenses are good enough to put up some points. So I like the over here, the over set at 49 right now on DraftKings. Um, Two things I love about this game, Arkansas money line at plus 700 and the spread, which is plus 18 and a half for Arkansas. Um, I don't think there is a world where Arkansas doesn't cover 18 and a half. There are multiple worlds where Arkansas loses this game, but there is not a single one where Arkansas doesn't cover 18.5. So love, love, love the spread here. Uh, Like the over, really like the money line just because it is so big. Uh, Following that, Ole Miss, Alabama, that plus 14.5, I think is a good bet. Uh, I do think that Ole Miss will, uh, will get that. I don't think Alabama's covering 14 and a half here against a very, very high-powered 
Lane Kiffin uh, called offense of Ole Miss. So, and, you know, I don't think there's a lot of realities where Ole Miss wins this game, but they are plus 450 on the money line. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt, maybe. Maybe, 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 maybe Ole Miss wins this game. Uh, but I don't think that's likely. What I do think is strangely likely for the uh, <clears throat> SEC is this Big 12-esque over-under total, which is 79 points for this game. And I think there's a really good shot that this game hits 79. Uh, I think maybe this game hits 100. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be nothing but gas, 101 octane race fuel for the entire entire football game for 60 minutes straight. Uh, maybe if we're lucky, some overtime. Moving on, we got Oklahoma Kansas State. Uh, Kansas State's plus 10 and a half. I don't see Oklahoma covering this. Um, they The only team they've covered the spread against is uh, Western Carolina. Every other team, I think last week, uh, West Virginia was plus 17 and a half and lost by three. So that gives you any indicator. Um, I think Kansas State's going to cover here. Uh, the over, not likely to hit. It's 52 and a half. Uh, against the better teams that they've played, Oklahoma has not scored a lot, and neither has the other team, which I guess is a testament to Oklahoma's defense. But uh, I don't think 52.5 is hitting here. Not going to tell you to bet the under because I don't believe in that, religiously speaking. But uh, I would just say leave the over alone on this one. Uh, and if you're feeling frisky, K-State money line sitting at plus 330. So could be a bet. Uh I think the upset's possible. I just don't think it's all that likely. Not likely enough to put my money on. Uh, and then lastly, uh, got your uh, got a four-pick parlay with plus 769 odds on DraftKings. Uh, and that is Arkansas at plus 18.5. Uh, the Texas TCU over at 66.5. If... Uh, you need some proof that that's going to happen. Uh, the over has hit in every Texas game, with the exception of the ULL game. Uh, that is University of Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, the over has hit in every game. And um, last week was 105 total points. Texas gave up five touchdowns and scored 10. So 66 and a half is, uh, <laughs> is, is pretty good. Uh, and then I've got the, the over at 79 points. For the Ole Miss-Alabama game, like I said, absolutely in love with the over. It's weird to say that about a about such a high over-under total for an SEC game. But uh, I think this is going to be all gas, no breaks the whole time. And then uh, just as a little sprinkle on the end, Penn State, uh, Indiana. Indiana's come out flat and stayed flat all year. I don't think there's any way that they come away with a win against Penn State. Uh, yeah, so that is that for your uh, college football top lines of the week. And uh, I think with that, we're going to be moving into our halftime before we hit our NFL talk. And for our halftime show, we have a special performance by Travis tonight with his rendition of Good For You by Olivia Rodrigo. 
Take it away, Travis. Uh, I don't know that song. Dude, I don't know. I think you should just do the song Sing Good For You by Olivia Rodrigo. I, I said it. I said you were going to do it. Dude, you, I, you gotta do it. I don't know that song. Dude, you got, I, I promised. Dude, I told you, I told you. What, what kind of podcast are we gonna be without a halftime show? Dude, I told you, just say something funny like, cue halftime outro. No, I already, I already said the funny thing and it's you doing your little rendition of the song. I don't. I, mean, I, I don't I, know. We gotta go. I got. Right. I gotta stay. I'm we're a doing Jets it. Fan, we're doing it live. There's, uh, fuck it. We'll do it live. All we're right. doing it live. All right. We're rolling it. All right. So All right. Last moving week. Moving into the. Last week in review. Moving into the NFL. Uh, games we are contractually obligated by no one but ourselves to talk about. Uh, probably the biggest upset of the week. Chargers Chiefs. I don't think it was an upset. Why is that? Justin Herbert is the 2021 most valuable player. This man has a rocket attached to his shoulder. (laughs) All right. And not only that, he's got one of the best wide receiving cores in the NFL. I mean, maybe. Mike Williams has a potential to be wide receiver one on the year. Mike Williams is good. I'll give you Keenan that. Allen is a force to be reckoned with. Let's and see. then you got the the little dude Eckler in the goddamn backfield catching passes all over the place. Let's uh let's circle back to this MVP talk. I just want to make it clear okay, okay. Uh, that Herbert leads the NFL in zero stats. He's not even close in any of them. Uh, uh, are you forgetting uh, embarrassing Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City? Because uh, he Mahomes leads the NFL in that. Leads the NFL in embarrassing Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. <laughs> That's true. Those uh, no-look passes are real sweet until it goes off your receiver's hands into a DB's. Uh, <laughs> I'll give him some credit. He does. The tight end's uh, hands. I will, I will give Justin Herbert credit where credit is due and the fact that he does lead the NFL in laying pipe on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I so I kind of do agree with you, Tony, in the fact that maybe it's not a huge upset. I think the Chargers are a good team. Um, and I think that the Chiefs have been doing the Kansas City Chiefs thing for long enough now that there's enough film that you can kind of figure out what they're going to do. And most of what they're going to do is uh, chuck the ball to Tyreek Hill. And if you double him, triple him, take him away, uh, then it's Travis Kelsey, maybe. You can double him too. Mikkel Hardman, I don't think, knows what his job is. And also another thing that we saw in the Super Bowl last year that's super important is if you get to Patrick Mahomes and you get to him fast – None of that other shit matters. Tyreek Hill being fast and running around for 20 minutes in the at the end of the field, at the other end of the field, doesn't matter because Patrick Mahomes is under too much duress to be able to get the ball to him in one of those magic plays. 
yeah, like uh, like right now, I just I feel like the Chargers are a very good team. I wouldn't say they're more talented than the Chiefs. No, but the biggest thing for the Chargers is they got to stop getting in the way of themselves. All right, we saw it in Dallas. We saw it also in Kansas City, where they're in the red zone and they're getting hit on illegal shifts. Yeah. Like, like this is something, like, these are simple mistakes that are leading to almost costing them the game in Kansas City and costing them the game against Dallas. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the Dallas game, uh, Dallas Chargers game was kind of, honestly, it was riddled with penalties on both sides of the ball. It was just an ugly game to watch, really. Um, and it just ended up being that it was tied at the end of the game and Dallas was able to kind of get out of their own way in the last few minutes and drive down the field and Greg Zerline, uh, despite how inconsistent he's been, hit that game winner. Um, but I really think that that game, if you run it back, you know, nine more times, you know, you, you run it ten times, the Chargers win five, the Cowboys win five. I was just, but when you started leading with that run it back nine more times, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. You get five wins out of each team. I think yeah. the problem with the, That's why, like, with the, uh, when I said that uh, I don't think the Chargers pulled an upset, I feel like that game was 50-50 to begin with. Yeah, and honestly, you know, to, to try and keep my bias out of it a little bit, but there there's only so much so much bias involved when the, the Cowboys have one of the best offenses in the NFL right now. And, you know, they're leading the NFL in turnovers, which is not a thing that the, the Dallas Cowboys are uh, famous for, we'll say in, in the recent years, um, their defenses look good. Their offenses looked better. I think that was a really even matchup. And I think it would have been a, probably would have been a really high scoring game had the penalties not played such a huge factor. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a five and five split if you play that game ten times over, and the Cowboys just just kind of got one over on the Chargers. So I'm I'm not super shocked by the Chargers winning. Honestly, I kind of thought they had a a very very good shot at uh, beating the Chiefs, especially after what happened last year in Justin Herbert's first start, where they they had to take the Chiefs had to go to overtime to to get the win. Justin Herbert dropped a hundred bucks to collapse Tyron Taylor's lung. <laughs> I think that doctor, the, that doctor just took one for the team. The uh, the issue with the Chargers is in every game this year, it has pretty much come down to who has the ball last. Yeah, their uh, their defense has not played well, but also I I think a lot of that who has think, the ball the who has the ball last thing, uh, as Tony said. It's it's a lot of it's it's driven a lot by penalties committed yeah. by the offense and the defense. Yeah, and then you also got to look at it's coming down to that. But uh, the Chargers have had a tough start to the season. They took the Washington Football Team, which is an okay team. They beat them. The Dallas Cowboys, who after this week are clear favorites in the East, and then you got the Kansas City Chiefs, and I don't need to elaborate on that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Chiefs are good, probably great in most people's opinion. Um, I think they are becoming 
increasingly and perhaps dangerously one-dimensional. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilarious put the rock on the ground a couple times in the last few games. Um, and really what worked for them in the past has just kind of started to work to a lesser degree. It's not that it stopped working. It's just worked not as well. Um, and so that as, is as much as I do want to like just shit on the chiefs. Um, even in that chargers game, they had a lot of just misfortune. There were interceptions off the hands of receivers you know, you had a couple of fumbles, and then you had the second Patrick Mahomes interception, which was just straight up a bad move. I So, I would counter that with the first one was a bad move, too. He's throwing to a wide-open receiver, and for some reason he's doing the, the no-look bullshit for, for really no reason. There's no defensive player in the area that if he just looks at that receiver and puts it on his numbers, is going to go make a play. There's no danger of anyone making a play on that football unless he doesn't look, throws it too high, it goes off the guy's hands, which, you know, everybody in the world, NFL analysts and, all, you know, the guys calling the game are like, man, the receiver should have caught that. Like, yeah, but he could have thrown him a better ball and he probably could have thrown it a lot easier if he had just looked at the guy. So I, I think that one's on, on Mahomes too. Uh, and I don't know. I just, I just. It almost feels like their, their magic, no, their magic I is kind of running out. I, I kind of agree with you, and I feel like uh, one of the biggest detriments to the Chiefs right now is the fact that last year's Super Bowl happened, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers gave you a recipe to beat Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking on that, I think it's not only teams catching up with uh, the Chiefs on offense. I think it's also <clears throat> the defensive troubles are continuing from continuing from last year. Uh, you just got to outscore them. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes, uh, both last year's Super Bowl and Sunday's game, he's hitting receivers in the hands. The problem isn't him. It's, uh, it's his playmakers not making plays. So he's feeling like he's got a stretch, which I feel like led to those two interceptions last Sunday. And then uh, one last thing before we move on from this game I want to talk about is uh, that, that, that play call by the Chargers at the end of that game where you're passing the ball in a tie game in the fucking red zone with Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the ball. Granted how he's played that game, that is still Patrick Mahomes on the other side of that ball. So why are you throwing a touchdown pass with 30 plus seconds left. I got one reason. I mean, I mean look, look at the San Francisco game, which we'll touch to later. You don't let elite quarterbacks do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree 100%. That game could have gone a lot differently for the Chargers uh, on any other given day. Uh, I think they're got a little bit lucky. I mean, 30 seconds is not, you know, a world of time, even for Patrick Mahomes, but. With Tyreek Hill on the field, with Travis Kelsey on the field, you're one completed pass and a big play away from uh, getting in Harrison Bucker's range. And that dude is, for all intents and purposes, lethal. Um, and, uh, I mean, obviously, um, when I was watching that in real time, I was like, what are the Chargers doing? 
run out the clock, kick the field goal. Win the game. But then now we roll in to one of the Chargers' biggest issues is their kicker, who immediately silenced a lot of my criticism when he missed that extra point. His second <laughs> extra point that he missed for the game on that touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, overall, good game. Unexpected. Put the Chiefs in uh, in last in the AFC West. Oh, great game to watch, especially when you got three Chargers players sitting in your fantasy team. <laughs> Absolutely. <But>, uh, <laughs> All right, so moving on to a significantly less good game. Uh, in fact, a very, very bad game for the Chicago Bears, and that's Bears-Browns. Uh, 26-6 loss for the Chicago Bears. In a game which they had their future or maybe current uh, franchise quarterback, Justin Fields, in for the majority of the game. Or at least okay, for a large so, uh, part. Rolling into this game, everybody on the planet knows that the Cleveland Browns were the better team. 100%. What everyone on the planet did not know was how poorly Justin Fields would perform. But I really want to say that I don't think, you know, it's time to fucking throw the flag on Justin Fields being a bust. Because um, that coaching staff did absolutely nothing to adjust play call to Justin Fields' type of play. The way those offensive plays looked, you would think Andy Dalton was back there. The immobile ginger. They they were not taking advantage of Justin Fields with their play call. I agree. I think uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I think this was kind of a – this year is kind of a last stand for Matt Nagy as the Chicago Bears head coach. And if he can't find a way to win a few games at least, right? I mean, we're only three weeks into the season, but, like, if you can't find a way to win with Justin Fields as your quarterback, who, for all intents and purposes, is the quarterback of the future for the Chicago Bears, what's the point in keeping you as the head coach? There just isn't one. Yeah, and, like, like, the Bears, they're obvious. They're not, like, a good team. But they're not, like, a really bad team. They need at least six to seven wins for Matt Nagy to keep this job. Yeah, I mean, they have a they have a stellar defense. And they're for the last few years, at least, their offense has been the big question mark. And it's every year the question has been answered, and it's their offense is bad. Uh, even last year, their defense was playing well, and their offense was playing – pretty middling with Nick Foles, a quarterback. And then it got to a certain point where it was just like, you almost like you, you saw it on the field almost in like the defense was just like, well, if we're not going to score any points, what is the point in giving our all on defense? And it was almost like the, the bears defense gave up as good as it is. It's like, they stopped trying. And even as bad as the offense is, they're so close because I do feel like Justin Fields is their their franchise quarterback, but also I could be mistaken. Uh, but he Justin Fields had about an average of a second and a half during that game before he yeah, saw. Pressure. The Bears have the worst offensive line in the NFL right now. I mean, Justin Fields had one net passing yard on the game, just one yard like that. That is ridiculous. You sack nine times, 
They only got 46 rushing yards. The problem isn't Justin Fields. It's, it's the O-line. I don't even think it's the entire offense. I just think it's the O-line. So I don't even think it's just the O. It's the O line combined with the with bad coaching, the scheme. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah bad coaching, bad play call. They did not set Justin Fields up for success. They had all week knowing he was going to be the quarterback going into this game, and they did not adjust. And they do not have the skill at offensive line for him to succeed at the level that he could. Yeah, I agree completely. And and to the the point of coaching. Um, it's a it's a point that has been illustrated really well recently by uh, the Dallas Cowboys, right? We had we had Jason Garrett as our head coach, and then they brought in Kellen Moore to be the offensive coordinator, and he's a young guy who calls pretty creative plays and creates opportunities for people that you wouldn't think uh, would normally have a big impact, like Tony Pollard, the backup running back. He's been kind of going off and he's had some very impactful plays especially in that Chargers game um, and it's just a, a question of can the coaching staff uh, live up essentially to the talent that they have a quarterback in Justin Fields um, and it remains to be seen if the Browns game is any indicator of that uh, they're not going to and there's probably going to be a wholesale uh, cleanup of the coaching staff at the end of this year um, but yeah. So moving on past that game, uh, one game that surprised me uh, a good bit this week was uh, Ravens Lions. I think this game might have been due in part to um, the Ravens' big win against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it was a, a hard fought game, and it came down to a a fourth and one, which will, you know, sort of an instant classic type game where you you literally got to see the the head coach yell at his quarterback and say, Lamar, do you want to go for it? And then Lamar Jackson answered, hell yeah. (laughs) And uh, they went. Definitely one of the most classic moments that we're going to have out of this year. Yeah. And they they went for it on that fourth and one, and they they iced the game. Um, So that that was a big game. And I think that this game against the Lions is – kind of do in part to that. But I do think uh, the Lions deserve a little bit of credit in that it's unfortunate, but I think the Lions are going to lose a lot of games in a similar manner this year. I think they're going to lose a lot of one-score games, and they're not going to win a lot. But I like the Lions on the grounds of uh, they're, they're just chippy and they have a lot of fight. And despite teams being better than them, more talented, whatever it is, um, they seem to just scratch and claw their way to to keeping everything close. So I was actually just about to kind of like touch on that same point where uh, like you want to talk about the Ravens maybe coming in a little bit overconfident. I think it has more to do with the Lions coming in a lot underrated. Yeah, I agree. If with you that. look at the Lions' first couple games, um, they're getting blown out against fucking San Francisco. They, and then they all fought sudden, their way back on that one. All of a sudden, Jared Goff is making this a game. And then you got week two. They're playing Green Bay, and they're leading at halftime. Obviously, they let that get away from them. But um, the, the Lions really are not a bad team. I think- Jared Goff is not as much as a clown as a lot of people would like to make him out to be. Yeah. Um, I think he's working really well in this Lions system. 
He's utilizing one of the most talented tight ends in the league in TJ Hawkinson to his fullest capability. And as much as people wanted to write the Lions off as probably the worst team in the NFL, I think they're going to scrounge together five to six wins this year. I think I, I think I, three, to, three to five is more likely, but I, I do agree, and I think a lot of it is due in part to uh, their new head coach, uh, Dan Campbell, who is, for all intents and purposes, with a kind of, you know, just a not very talented uh, on paper Lions team is just coaching them up a considerable amount. And uh, I do think they win more games than people think they're going to. I, you know, when the season opened, it was almost as if the Lions were a lock for the number one overall pick uh, in the 2022 draft. But uh, I don't think that's, I disagree I don't, on that. I don't um, think that's the case. I think uh, that, that team sitting on your chest right now is a lock for that. <laughs> Uh, I would disagree, and I would say that the team on your chest is uh, yeah. Okay, uh, we'll touch on that a little bit later when we talk about rookie QBs. But yeah, um, we'll we'll move on with this game. Yeah. One, so one, one last word on the Lions. I think they uh, suffered in the first three games from a very very tough schedule, uh, and I'm hoping they rebound uh, later on this season. Uh, I'm high on the Lions. I think they win. At least six, seven games. No, and and I agree on that. And that this, this is moving into like a pretty big point. And that the Lions have had a very tough schedule. And like I said, made it a game against San Francisco late. Kept it a game in the first half against Green Bay. And then lost on the most unbelievable football play I have watched in my entire life to the Ravens. <laughs> Correct. Uh, Justin Tucker, Longhorn legend. Hook them horns, sixty-six yards. Doink off the crossbar, and it's a it's a game winner. You, you look at every NFL record, and it's set in Denver, where you have the the air advantage. Mm-hmm. You, get, you got physics on your side. Sometimes, sometimes it's cold too, which makes the ball go further. Allegedly, Justin Tucker said no. I'm gonna hit a sixty-six off the crossbar. In motherfucking Detroit, Rock City, baby. <laughs> that, yeah. that that was the one play this week that made me drop in our group chat just the two words, holy shit. It was uh, 100% probably the most impressive play of the year. Uh, but, uh, but moving past Ravens-Lions... Uh, Honestly, a pretty big surprise this week was uh, Rams-Buccaneers. The Rams just kind of walked over the Buccaneers. Granted, the Buccaneers were on the road, which has some some factor to play in it, especially with fans being back in the stands. Uh, post- you also got to understand, um, fans in L.A. are not the same as fans in Seattle. Yeah, it, like That has less of an effect. And you have the the Tom Brady like experience in which there's just going to be people there rooting for him. I I mean, you guys saw we we all went to a Patriots uh, Redskins game. But Washington and, football and, team. No, at the time <laughs> they were the Redskins. <laughs> at the time, it, it is a factual statement to say 
it was the Redskins. Correct. As as bad as a name as that is, um, but you, you saw it. what happened during pregame when Tom Brady came out of the tunnel. Just a, a roar, standing ovation <laughs> on the road. Yep. So I don't think Tom Brady ever gets the excuse of being on the road. No, no. I like I said. I think that's that was somewhat of a factor, but I think it was overall a pretty small uh, factor in the game. In a game where essentially the the Rams just kind of scored as many points as they wanted to, and then the the Bucks had a a few long drives, and, and it ended up being a ten point game, but. I think this is definitely a game where the 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 final score doesn't really tell the story uh, in that it wasn't really that close of a game. No, and I agree. Like, uh, I think it was like a 10-point difference. Yeah, 34 and, uh, to the, 24. The, Ram, the Rams won by a 21-point difference when you look at skill. Yeah. Or how the game was played. But uh, what I think contributed to this a lot is that uh, I think for three or four years – the Rams have been the most talented team in the NFL outside of the quarterback position, and now they have someone good there. They have someone who's working really well with that offense, specifically with Cooper Cup, who, uh, like, I'm, I'm reading things of, uh, like, Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup eat breakfast together every morning. <laughs> Which, you know, sounds like something trivial, but, like, no, dude. when you have that relationship, it's, it's like uh, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Yep. When they're really good friends, that adds a lot to yeah. that connection. I mean, on it's the field. it's Brady Gronkowski, uh, you know, Rogers, uh, Jordy Nelson. It's you know, if we we kick it back to college, it, no, exactly. It's Colt, yeah. Colt McCoy, Jordan Shipley. It's it's stuff like that where like they're just on the same wavelength, and it just makes for for better football at the end of the day. You know, it, it's like a lot of these receivers who are really good with quarterbacks that they're friends with, and they go to other teams, and it doesn't work out quite as well. Uh, I mean, you know, you look at, uh, like, you brought up Jordy Nelson. I'm not actually sure if he went somewhere else or just fizzled out. Uh, he um, went to the Raiders and then retired. He went to the Raiders, that's right, yeah. that's right. Um, and then you got Randall Cobb. That didn't work out. Granted, that's not working out when he comes back. But he was really good with Rodgers at first. Uh, you got Wes Welker and Tom Brady. Yep. Um, that like like that, like that means a lot in these connections. It's just the actual friendship connection that these yeah. quarterbacks have with the receivers. It's just a it's a, a chemistry thing. I've been a Matt Stafford uh, believer for many a year now. Uh, I'm very happy he's off the Lions and in a place where he looks like he's going to succeed very well. He's my pick for the MVP this year, uh, you know, in week three and a half. Yeah, so, so that's September really not MVP picks. That's yeah. really not far-stretched. No, um, I, I, think it, I think it makes – I think Matt Stafford makes all the difference for the, the now L.A. Rams this year. Um, they are, I'd say, 98%, 99% going to be a playoff team. I think they're the best team in the NFC West. Oh, they're going to be a playoff team. They're 98-99% going to be the conference championship. Yeah. I I really think that that defense, that offense, plus Matt Safford, is a uh, a recipe to win a lot of games. 
I mean, you know, like even just in, we saw Aaron Donald doing Aaron Donald things. Yep. And and like that's just the fact of what this Rams defense is going to be. Absolutely. And then now the fact that they have a quarterback that is able to connect with their super talented receiving core, actually, and a all right offensive line. You know, th- this is an offense that has Tyler Higby, who's a pretty good receiving tight end, <clears throat> Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Matt Stafford is destined for success here. Yeah, and even one of the more impressive things uh, with their RB1 not active, just out with a rib injury uh, against the Buccaneers, they just kind of threw at will. They didn't have much of a run threat. Uh, To be fair on that point, uh, I think uh, Daryl Henderson is as good as an RB2 as you have. In the league. Yeah, I mean, he, he was never destined to be the RB1 until Cam Akers got hurt. Yeah. But, you know, I think as, you know, filling in for the filling in at the role of RB1, he was pretty impactful in the games prior to the Buccaneers, and then him getting hurt was a loss to them, but it, it di- almost didn't seem to matter um, because they have such a good offense and – a good coaching staff. Not with, when Matt Stafford's just taking the top off you, boy. Yeah. With a, a good good coaching staff, good offense. Um, Sean McFay's obviously, you know, a whiz kid of the offense. Uh, but moving on from Rams Bucks, uh, we got a pretty surprising one in Packers 49ers. Uh, the 49ers haven't looked absolutely outstanding by any stretch of the okay, imagination. Um, way, way less then I will say that this is less surprising than I was uh, the Chargers and Chiefs, which I wasn't surprised. Um, Green Bay is still a force to be reckoned with. I agree. Aaron Rodgers, as homeless as he looks now, (laughs) is still Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and uh, this kind of circles back to the point you made. You don't give elite quarterbacks the ball with a small amount of time left. Uh, like, honestly, I feel like even though they lost, this game said more about how good the 49ers are than it did the Packers. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like it was a kind of a statement for the Niners that they're not as not good. I won't say bad, but just they haven't looked good. Like, like, a lot of people wanted to dismiss the Packers after week one when they got obliterated by the Saints. But to quote Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X. Relax, relax baby. <laughs> relax. It was a single loss. This isn't going to affect the Packers at the end of the day. They're winning the North. They're going to be in the discussion. The... Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford are the only people who can stop this man. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's going to come down to, in the NFC at least, it's it's just kind of take your pick who's playing in the championship. Two of the, two of the three teams will be there, uh, the Bucks, the Packers, and the Rams. Two of them will be there. One of them won't. Uh, but, uh... Remains to be seen. But uh, moving on from last week into this upcoming week, uh, let's talk 
talk some of the best matchups of the week. What you got for us, Tony? All right, best matchups of the week. Okay, this one comes from not necessarily a great game perspective, but a great drama perspective. And I'm going to take the Buccaneers and the Patriots on Sunday night football in New England. Tom Brady's return to New England. I I think he's going to be met with a a lot of great fanfare pregame. But once the game starts... These Pats fans will fight you in the fucking bathroom. <laughs> I know this from experience. <laughs> and once the game starts, it's going to be a different story for Tom Brady. And he's going to have to fight the people who are begrudgingly hating him. Um, I don't even know if it's begrudging at this point. Like, like, no, Pats fans, they still, they still love Tom Brady. He did not leave on bad terms. But... I want to say for this game, never underestimate the pettiness of Tom Brady. Because he doesn't show it too much. But very subtly, he's one of the most petty people in the NFL. And I think he's going to be trying to humiliate Bill Belichick. And I think he will. I think he does. At the end of the day. I think On the other side of the ball... You got uh, Josh McDaniels, who has been exposed as an absolute fraud of an offensive guru, uh, because like he just had Tom Brady for that long. I still think Bill Belichick's great, but off Josh McDaniels is is going to be exposed. Um, they've been with Mac Jones. Granted, Mac Jones is still adjusting to the league, but the first couple weeks they were just having him throw three yards at a time. To increase those stats. But anytime Mac Jones throws more than 10 yards, he, he's looking terrible. And he's going to have to do that when Tom Brady's throwing the fucking 80-yard passes to Antonio Browns every play to make Bill Belichick show emotion. <laughs> and and, and like that, that's just what's going to happen. The Bucks are going to destroy the Patriots. Um... But it's going to be a really entertaining game to watch. It's going to be really fun to watch the crowd reaction. Uh, it's going to be really fun to watch how Tom Brady reacts to that. Okay. I think it's going to be a good game. I like or, it. I don't think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be an entertaining game. Yeah, I like it. I like it. The the entertainment versus the, the good football matchup. Vegas, over to you, I suppose. Uh. All right, so I got Browns-Vikings. Uh, I think going the last week, the Vikings were the best 0-2 team in the league. Uh, and they go ahead and beat the Seahawks pretty handily. Uh, Browns are good under Baker Mayfield and everything they got going on on offense, even with Josh Landry out. Uh, so I think it's going to be a shootout. Uh, and I'm pretty sure... You know what? I'm going to go back. I think the Vikings are coming away with this win. Over the Browns. Okay. I actually really like that take. So uh, I've been saying it since he was in Washington. That Kirk Cousins is the most underrated quarterback in the league. He's he's better than Ryan Tannehill by far, who's the most overrated quarterback in the league, by the way. Um, (laughs) But, um... Hot take there. But... No, he's way better than Ryan Tannehill. Lukewarm take. I'm starting an NFL team. I'm picking Kirk Cousins over Ryan Tannehill. But um, 
I, I think the Vikings do have a really good team. They had a couple of disappointing losses that were down to the wire. And one of them came down to a fucking horrible missed kick, which is common for Vikings. Uh, their, their fans are used to that. But this game's in Minnesota. These fans we saw last week in Seattle, um, they're very devoted. They haven't been able to watch their team in almost two years. And now they are ready to be a menace. And so, in this game, I really like the Vikings over the Browns. Thielen's the difference. difference. Adam Thielen is the difference in this game. I am super extra split on this game. I couldn't pick a winner if you paid me money to. Um, I do think that the Vikings at home is is not to be messed with. Uh, I think the Vikings are a good team. Like Baca said, they you know before the game against the Seahawks, they were the best 0-2 team in the league. They just had some tough losses week one and week two. Um, I think the Browns find a way, but I think this is a really, really close, really, really good game. Um, my game of the week is going to be Panthers-Cowboys. I think this game is a good test for the Panthers, and I think this game is a good test for the Cowboys. Uh, The Sam Darnold-led Panthers are a completely different beast than I think most people imagine they would be, uh, just based off the fact of how Sam Darnold performed in uh, New York with the Jets. But it turns out, you know, in hindsight, maybe it was the Jets. It wasn't Sam Darnold. I'd say almost a little bit more than maybe uh, it was the Jets. Because the Panthers right now are sitting at 3-0. and And they they look poised to win a good amount of games this year. The Cowboys... No, and, uh, th- this game, even without Christian McCaffrey, I think is going to be a shootout. Uh, Jets? The Jets? Or, not the Jets. I'm just so used to fucking Sam Darnold being on the boys. But um, the Panthers, which Sam Darnold... Uh, they have the first quarterback in the Christian McCaffrey timeline that doesn't rely on him. Uh, Sam Darnold is able to do things. He's looking a lot at DJ Moore. But if you don't have in fantasy, it's probably too late to trade for him. And he's probably not on any waiver wire. But Sam Darnold loves DJ Moore. And Sam Darnold has always been a good quarterback. We saw this in flashes with the Jets, which in 2019, he was 7-5 and five when he started, when he wasn't getting cooties and getting fucking mono and shit. Um, and then just, just last year, he was just on the most unfortunate Jets team in the world. Yeah, and then he's also going to be going up. He's also going to be going up against just, just a... A very bad pass defense. And without Christian McCaffrey, you're going to see a lot of passes from Sam Darnold. This is going to be a shootout. I don't know what the over-under is, but I would take the over um, just based on any score. So Because you got Dakota Prescott on the other side of the fucking ball who's going to obliterate some shit. I, uh... I'm going to have to staunchly disagree with that pass defense uh, anecdote there. Uh, 
as long as one of the cornerbacks on the Dallas Cowboys leads the NFL in interceptions, uh, I'm going to disagree. <laughs> I'm okay, gonna disagree. so that, that was uh, an anecdote I was about to add. Um, the Cowboys defense, when they get interceptions, is okay. But it's it's all or nothing with them, you know. It's an interception or it's given up 500 yards of passing. I, I don't I know. Agree. I think I, they – they did good to stop Herbert. Uh, they did good to stop Jalen Hurts. Uh, they got lucky with Herbert. Jalen Hurts just is not good. Um, and Tom Brady carved them like a fucking turkey dinner. Yeah, and we lost by two. So I look. It we'll have to agree. And that that's a lot to say about Dallas's offense more than their defense, obviously. But yeah, I, I think we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. I think personally, the biggest question obviously the Cowboys defense isn't <coughs> elite by any standard right they've been getting a lot of turnovers which is is a good uh, a good thing for the defense but I uh I don't quite think that the Cowboys defense is a huge factor in this game I do think the Panthers defense is a little bit bigger of a question mark against such a good offense uh, on the Dallas Cowboys because if you look, so so far, right, they've they've played the Jets, the Saints, and the Texans, which none of those are particularly good teams. The Saints looked good at one point, and now they've kind of fizzled out. Um, so I think this is a, a good test for the Panthers' defense. And uh, if their defense holds up, I think the Panthers come out with the win here. If their defense is just kind of a a mid tier defense, it turns out uh, after see after the way this game goes, then I think the Cowboys could definitely pull out the win. I think the the Cowboys for sure have the ability to outscore the Panthers here, uh, just based on the Christian McCaffrey injury. Even though Chupa Hubbard is no slouch by any means, but uh, I think not having Christian McCaffrey always puts you uh, in a worse spot than having him. Obviously. Well, yeah, obviously. Like, he's one of the best players in the league. I think the difference but, uh, comes down to Chuba Hubbard. Does Chuba Hubbard, you know, do what he uh, showed he could do in college or not? Because if uh, he doesn't, I think I think Dallas comes away with an easy win. Show my bias there a little bit. I think the difference comes out to Dallas's defense. They get two takeaways, Dallas wins. All right. So if they get one or less, I think Sam Darnold pulls it off. Some uh some differing opinions here. One game, kind of want to just talk about as a whole. Uh, that's that's pretty interesting, and uh, is in the Monday night slot. Raiders Chargers. Mm. Ooh ooh, that's that's probably the actual game of the week. I because I can't give you a winner on that. Yeah, I I think that's that's definitely a game where it's it's a flip a coin fifty fifty kind of kind of game. Hold a gun to my head, and I'm giving it to the Chargers. Yep. Probably. But, um, but the, I think you're going to see a lot of offense out of this game. Yeah. I the uh, I don't know. The Raiders don't seem to care that people think they're going to lose, and they just they just so, figure it out. 
Give me this matchup at the beginning of the season. I'll tell you, Chargers win 10 times out of 10. Yep. But the Raiders just refuse to lose. And they haven't beaten jokes of teams. No, They've I taken mean, down the Ravens and the Steelers. Yeah, they're 3-0. They beat the Steelers. They beat the Ravens. And they beat the Dolphins in an overtime game. Granted, fucking Jacoby Brisket took them to overtime. Yeah. They still uh, Jacoby won. But you, out that game, though, you, gotta, you gotta look at... Uh, Jacoby, when he was on the Colts, he wasn't really that bad. Like no, the, and like he, I like he's a starter on some teams. Yeah, he's a starter. If you know, he's he's thirty one or thirty two as far as QB rankings go in the league. He's not great. He's not the guy you would love to have, but he's a he's a guy that can start, and he he did pretty well in Indianapolis. Uh, obviously, the team didn't do a whole lot with him at quarterback, but you know they didn't. And like, like uh, Miami's defense is like nothing to be sneezed at. No, their their defense is is super talented, uh, young, fast, all that good stuff. And the biggest thing with the Raiders, after a disappointing rookie year, I think they're learning how to use Henry. Exactly. Yep, for sure, he's been more productive. Through these first few weeks, the the man is so fat. He doesn't have the greatest hands, but he's so fast. And that that's kind of a big part of it too, is that he didn't have the greatest hands last year. But he is, he you know, he's dropping less passes this year for he's sure. He's catching a lot of the balls he dropped last year. Yep. Which is why the Raiders are three zero. Yep. Uh, that is going to be. Uh, Definitely one of the biggest games I'm keeping my eye on. Raiders uh, defense. Oh, sorry. Raiders defensive end Max Crosby uh, this year is my favorite player in the league. Uh, dude's a dude's an absolute animal, uh, and I think he's the key to the Raiders defense uh, right now. And um, if the Chargers do what we talked about earlier uh, in the podcast, where uh, they keep the Raiders in the game via penalties and just, you know, just bad, bad uh, discipline. I think the Raiders come away with this win. So, like, like uh, right now I'm assuming the Chargers off their two illegal motion plays in practice are fixing all that. Assuming that gets done, this game's going to be a shootout. I think the key to the game is whether or not Joey Bosa gets pressure on Derek Carr. I think he's the one player who decides this game. I think I think the Chargers are going to get pressure. Uh, their offensive line. The Raiders' is, offensive line is bad. They traded away all their stars. Yeah. And so if Joey Bosa takes advantage of that, the Raiders are going to come away with a loss, a close loss. But a loss. Yeah, they haven't really faced a an outstanding pass rusher all year. Uh, they they faced some pretty good secondaries. Well, I I can't really say that because they did play. They, they, they played, played really good. They played Nick Bo- or fucking Joey Bosa's brother and Nick Bosa. Not this year. No, no, no. They played. Uh, they played the Steelers. Yeah, T.J. Watt. That's who you're thinking of. Oh yeah, fuck. Yeah. That's right. The other little brother. <laughs> yeah, the other. Yeah, I'm thinking little brothers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they played, they played against the Steelers who at the time TJ Watt was playing, uh, he's hurt now, but 
yeah, so they, they they were able to to mitigate TJ Watt. I, I wouldn't say stop him, but um, if they can do the same, if they can keep you know maybe run some plays where they keep a running back in uh, for protection and just kind of slow down Joey Bosa. I don't know if you can stop him, but slow him down enough to give Derek Carr some time to hit Henry Ruggs on those deep know. routes. Yeah, like you get you gotta like you don't need a lot of time because he's so fast. So fast. But if Henry Rucks gets downfield, Raiders have a chance to be four and zero. Yeah. Which who would have thought coming into the season? Nobody. Barry. Uh, Barry would have thought that. Barry only. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Barry's our uh, Mexican friend. Resident Raiders fan. <laughs> and, uh, you know, every Mexican loves the Raiders. <laughs> we gotta cut that. <laughs> no, we don't. That's gonna no, get cut. Uh, no, we don't. Oh, my God. <laughs> Alright, so let's talk, uh... Let's talk fantasy. Who you guys All got right. as your, uh... Waiver wire pickups, start them, sit them type situations. Okay, I already kind of touched on this, but it's Sam Darnold against the Cowboys. Okay. He's he's putting up numbers. He's averaged, I think, I like 23 points a game. And if you're someone who your quarterback may be out, I don't know if buys have started yet. They probably have. Uh, not um, yet. But uh, Sam Darnold's your good pick. He's if if you have someone you think might get less than twenty points, start Sam Darnold because he's available in most leagues and he's going to put up at least twenty points. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty fair take on a on old Sam there. Um, I also have a, a bonus on that. Um, yeah, he's only uh, throw in. On Yahoo Fantasy, he's only twenty two percent rostered right now, which is yeah pretty good for waiver wire. I'm uh, I'm gonna throw in a bonus uh, where I'll say um, Antonio Brown. He had that great week one and has not showed up since. But like I said earlier, Tom Brady is in a statement game, so he's gonna be looking downfield. He's gonna be looking at the big targets, and that's gonna be Antonio Brown. Yeah. Uh. I will say Brown is currently uh, on the COVID-19 list, but he is, ex- oh, he is, if he doesn't play, uh, don't play him. Yeah. Obviously <laughs> he is, he is expected to return uh, for the Patriots game. So that's kind of a, if, if he's playing on that watch. game and you don't have three wide receiver ones, at least throw them in your flex because Tom Brady's going to be looking downfield in this game. Because he wants to make Bill Belichick visibly upset. Yep. Uh, one that I like for this week is uh, James Robinson, Jacksonville running back against Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati hasn't played spectacular defense all year. And uh, the, the rumor mill was kind of James Robinson was going to split carries going forward after the Carlos Hyde injury. Uh, but I think last week he very clearly proved that he is the RB1 in Jacksonville. Um, you know, I guess until Travis Etienne at some point in the future comes back, but I think yeah. He, so uh, 
that's ETN's next year. Not coming yeah. back this year. <laughs> that's next um, year. So that that's so that's irrelevant to fantasy. Yeah, but um, but I think James I, I, James Robinson. I think you're right in that and that uh, Urban Meyer has finally found a place for James Robinson in this offense. I think it, it's due at least uh, in some part to Trevor Lawrence's struggles. I mean, he him and Zach Wilson are leading the NFL in interceptions with seven through the first three no, weeks. Yeah, and that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So I, they're I, gonna break the record at this pace. <laughs> I think that is a uh, that's a big part of it, and I don't, I don't really think you can afford to overlook that in uh, James Robinson. Now he is he is rostered in ninety seven percent of leagues, but this is just kind of if you have him, I'd start him this week, kind of deal. Okay, and uh, uh, th- this is a small kind of like off tangent take. Um, Trevor Lawrence this year going to struggle but remember that Peyton Manning threw 28 interceptions in his rookie year and I do think that Trevor Lawrence in the future especially after they get this year's number one pick he's going to blossom yeah I think 100% it's the the bust alert is not you know sounding right now I think it's just He's on a bad team. He's a rookie quarterback. He's, he's on the worst team. Yeah, he's having to do things and try and throw passes. This shit does not beat out the Jags. <laughs> uh, this shit being the Jets. However, I think the Jets are the worst team in the National Football League. But I it's, disagree. It's, a, it's um, a close. It's close one and two right there. Yeah. The Jets have shown a lot of promise. Um, if Zach Wilson I, sucks. No, so I think... Okay, I do think Zach Wilson sucks, but I think he's not going to suck as bad moving forward. Yeah, I think I think he will improve. It's 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 really the same thing as as a uh, Trevor Lawrence. It's just they're rookies on not good teams, and it's just so the way the way I'm hard. looking at it right now is uh, the Jets are going to win two to three games, whereas the Jags are going to win one to two. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I pretty strongly disagree with that. I mean, you're looking at Zach Wilson right now, with two touchdowns and seven interceptions, and it's just hard for me to see that team winning more than a game or two. Uh, it almost seems like they'd have to catch somebody sleeping. Like, like I said, um, four of those interceptions are against the Patriots, who have one of the best interception fucking defenses in the NFL. Yeah. And that's only probably going to get better when Stephon Gilmore gets back, obviously. But, um, I, I think the Jets are posed to win about three games, which will keep them at ground number two, but not number one. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I have a, I have a little bit less faith in the Jets than you, but, uh, what's your, uh, like, like, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Jags are the first 0-17 team. What's your What's your pick for the week, Beckus, for fantasy? Uh, my pick of the week is Christian Kirk, uh, Cardinals receiver, uh, only you know available. And I just had it. Yeah, he's available in forty eight percent of all leagues, uh, and I think uh, even with AJ Green and Rondell Moore. Uh, Rondell Moore shows big playability, but I don't think he shows any consistency. 
Uh, 50% rostered and the number 42 in points. Yeah. It's not too bad. Uh, and if I, you don't have him, go pick him up yeah. because he is he's, a very, very solid flex option. He's, he's very consistent, especially when DeAndre Hopkins isn't, isn't there for Kyler Murray. Well, I know, like, I mean, obviously everybody in the world knows that DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> is one of the most talented receivers in the league. But he's going to see a lot of double coverage, which leads Kyler Murray to having to find other options. Yeah, and not to mention the Cardinals are playing the Rams this week who have a a good defense, maybe one of the best in the NFL, top five at least, I'd say. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is coming off of uh, sore ribs. He didn't play that well against the, uh, the Jags last week. So if that's continuing yeah. to bother him, Christian Kirk's right there. Absolutely, hundred uh, percent. All right. Well, let's move on to a little segment we'd like to call Urban Meyer's hot seat. <laughs> talk a little. Uh, Ooh, talk okay. a little bit. Talk a little bit about coaches and coaches specifically who might not have jobs at the end of the year. Um, so I think um, first and foremost is something we've obviously already touched on is uh, Matt Nagy. Yep, hundred percent. If he if he doesn't make Justin Fields work, he is gone. I I agree with that one hundred percent. And I, uh, the Texans head coach also. So he's not. To he doesn't bl- have a lot to work with. He's not to so. blame. He's not to blame. Uh. But, you know, you're already rolling into the season where uh, Deshaun Watson is out for being horny. Yeah. <laughs> and then you lose Tyrod Taylor. Other things. Yeah. So, uh, 100%, uh, I don't think that he's in the hot seat because of how the team performs. I just think they're going to be looking for a new head coach and they're going to be looking to kind of start over. Hmm. Um and maybe, you know, it, it would have been great to see Tyrod Taylor uh, get to take the helm of the Texans because they really did play well uh, when he was the quarterback. But, you know, now obviously he's down with injury. And it's going to be a pretty awful team. They're, they're essentially going to live up to the expectations that uh, everyone had for them at the beginning of the year, which was being bad. But uh, Tyrod Taylor kind of subverted those expectations. But now that he's gone... I think they're just going to live up to him for the rest of the year. So uh, I'm going to follow that up on what might be a hot take, but might not. Um, Joe Judge. Yeah. And I wouldn't have said so before the loss to the Falcons. Because the Falcons are one of the worst teams in the National Football League. Despite having a very great quarterback in Matt Ryan, everything outside of that is a trash can. And um, if the Giants cannot pull can, can't pull wins against the Falcons, I think Joe Judge might be seeing the door. I he's think, a he's for sure in danger. I don't think he. I think he makes it in the next season. Uh, depending on one thing, how does Saquon Barkley come back from his injury, and does he show up as Saquon Barkley did in like 2019? Uh, if Saquon Barkley. Uh, moving forward as he's recovering, he's getting more snaps, uh, starts playing better, not in garbage time, 
then I think Joe Judge is safe, at least until the beginning of next year. I, I don't like um I think uh very much you know, on that same team, Daniel Jones is very much safe in his job. But like I, I think right now he's the leading rusher on the Giants. Yes. Yeah. And and you can't you can't do that. You got to take a little more risk. I know Saquon's coming off of injury, but you're you're so bad. You got you got to use him more. You got to take more risk in it. Well, they, yeah, they're they're totally working work him back in. Yeah, they 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 drew kind of a tough schedule with that uh, playing a Sunday and then a Thursday night on his second second and third game back, uh, and he didn't do too he didn't do great last week. You know, he's only averaging about three yards per rush, but. I don't know. I think I think he picks it up for the rest of the season. Keeps Joe Judge at least around through you know twenty twenty two. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a real possibility, and just in the fact that you know you got to look at expectations versus performance, and I don't think anyone had high expectations, including the the New York Giants organization of their team this year. I think they. I think they expected to beat the Falcons at home. I agree, but I think that they, you know, had relatively low expectations and understand that they're kind of still in a rebuild. And honestly, the team has really only improved, maybe not in a wins and losses, from a wins and losses standpoint, but from a just performance standpoint, they have improved under Joe Judge. Um, And surprisingly, with the addition of Jason Garrett, uh, they, they improved on offense at least a little bit. Okay, uh, this next one I'm going to throw out is from a obviously better team. But uh, Matt LaFleur, um, he has continued to uh, decline the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Um, he hasn't come out with the success the Packers need, which, like, when you're the Packers right now and you have Aaron Rodgers – the expectation is a Super Bowl, even though they miss that every single year. Right. And, um, you know, we we saw it with Matt McCarthy, and I think Matt LaFleur might be next. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's true. I think it would be kind of a bad move because I think Matt LaFleur is a good head coach, and I think Aaron Rodgers is leaving, uh, and I think that's going to buy – one to two more years for Matt LaFleur uh, with Jordan Love as their quarterback before he gets the ax. Um, but I do think so, that kind of uh, hinges I, on Aaron Rodgers leaving. I I disagree on that. I, so I, Aaron Rodgers, 100% leaving this year. Yeah. Right? Like barring a Super Bowl win, which I think maybe has a 10% chance. 10 to 15. Aaron Rodgers wins a Super Bowl, he might stay. Yeah. Uh, but assuming he doesn't, I think Aaron Rodgers is out the door. I think Devontae Adams is out the door. I think the Packers head into a rebuild in which they're just going from the ground up. And that's going to include Matt LaFleur going. It's also going to include their GM going. Yep, 100%. It, it's going to be everyone. I think it would be interesting to see. It's a bit more bold than the Packers have been in the past, but it would be interesting. Um, 
And really, the Packers so, have just been a story of uh, high expectations and and low outcomes. So the Packers have the most unfortunate like position in the league, and that they're publicly owned. You got to have a private owner. You got to have someone who's just making the decisions. The Packers being this this public franchise is uh, something that has been the, the reason Aaron Rodgers only has one Super Bowl. Yeah. A large part of it at the very least, but all right, well I think that's gonna close out our hold on, our I think hot we, have, seat we, talk. we gotta get to the titular hot seat talk. Oh the titular gotta, hot yeah, seat. We gotta get we gotta talk about Urban. Oh, we're we talking Urban? Yeah. Alright. Uh, Urban. Okay. Uh winless. Winless. <laughs> okay, um so here's the thing. Urban, he's staying at Jacksonville the entire year, despite rumors. Yep. Correct. Um, however, the at the year. end of the year, there there's one thing stopping him from returning next year, and that's whether or not USC gets a coach by the end of the year. 100%. 100%. Urban Meyer would, would jump ship and go back to college and try to win there. If, if that job is still open at the end of the year, he's taken it 10 times out of 10. I uh, I disagree. He, he's going to a storied that that would be going to a storied franchise, and then adding a storied coach, which adds recruiting value, and then also you got to recognize that even at Alabama, a lot of those recruits are coming out of California, California, Texas, and Florida, and Ohio have all the best recruits in the nation. If Urban Meyer goes to USC and convinces them to stay home and convinces them that if they all stay home, they win a championship, then Urban Meyer takes the job at USC. I'll go you one better. Uh, The Miami job. Hurricanes, not Dolphins. I believe will 100% be open this year. I think given the option, he takes the job at SC over that. If it's available, if it's not available, you're talking about recruits. You're talking about recruits in the state of Florida. Most of those uh, recruits are coming out of the Miami metropolitan area. Urban Meyer plants so, his butt down there. Um, Hurricanes are back, baby. I, uh, I don't know. I, I have a hard time seeing him leaving the Jags and, and seeing him leaving that money because at the end of the day, he can't cut it in the NFL. He's still Urban Meyer, excellent college football coach. So if he soaks up another year of NFL money and then takes a job, uh, he just ends up making more money in the long run. So I, I don't and, know. I think if he does and, leave, it's going to be after this year plus next year of a really and, shitty and so like Jacksonville a, team. Leading to that like a NFL money standpoint, um, if he scrounges together three to four wins – I think the Jags put him on a four to five year contract. Oh, by that. If Trevor dollar. Lawrence, if if you know, obviously, you know, Trevor Lawrence is still adjusting, but if Trevor Lawrence ends up being the the number one overall pick that we all expected by the end of the year, it doesn't even have to be in the first eight games. If by the end of the year he's looking good, I think the Jags. Soak him up. Oh, speaking of Trevor Lawrence and adjusting, 
Uh, Bengals play the Jags Thursday night. I think the Jags pick up their first one of the season. I do not. I think the Bengals obliterate them. I think the Bengals are one of the most underrated teams in the NFL. Yeah, they uh, embarrassed Big Ben and the Steelers. Um, I uh, I don't think the Jags come out on top. I think there's a chance, but I do think for the most part, the Bengals are going to kind of walk all over them, just like every other team has done. Um, the Jags are just—they're just bad. They're not finding ways to win. Trevor Lawrence is struggling. Joe Burrow hasn't looked great for the first couple weeks, but he's he's looked good enough. Okay, and then uh, one last thing I want to hit before we go. Um, let's talk rookie QBs because none of them have impressed me. Whereas last year we had we were Joe all Burrow. impressive. <laughs> Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert hit the fucking ground running. Yeah, and Joe Burrow unfortunately and we're not seeing that this year. Yeah, Joe Burrow unfortunately went down with that injury. Otherwise, it would have been. Burrow versus Herbert for AFC Rookie of the Year all the way till the end. Um, but uh, if I'm going to grade him right now, um, Mac Jones got put in an unfortunate situation in which he had to do things he wasn't comfortable with. But as of right now, I don't know if this will hold true. In fact, I don't even think this will hold true. Uh, Mac Jones is the number one right now. Yeah, I, I think, think Mac Jones is a, is a C or a C-plus right now, and... Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are, uh, I don't know. Trevor Lawrence is a D Bottom plus. Zach Wilson's a D minus, and Justin Fields, not necessarily all his fault, but he's a he's a solid D minus F plus kind of. And then uh, you got Trey kind of Lance, thing. who we've seen very limited views of, but has looked, but has looked great. Yeah, has well, looked I, the best. I will say, I think Mac Jones's success uh, is. More to him being in a better situation than uh, Justin Fields, uh, Zach Wilson, or uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and I, oh, 100%. Um, not only is Mac Jones in a better situation, he rolled into an offense that was ready for him better than any of the other QBs. We'll see how it shakes out, but I think... Uh, you know, if I don't know, I think if we see if we see Trey Lance uh, get a start, something happens with Jimmy Garoppolo, like they maybe they just bench him uh, and say, you know what, let's, let's let's give him a shot. I think Trey Lance is gonna come out here looking like smelling like roses compared to everyone. So else. if if the Niners start approaching 500, I think they're just gonna say fuck it and throw Trey Lance in. Because Jimmy G, obviously, like, he's he's acceptable at a quarterback yeah. level. But he's not, like, the guy who's going to lead you. They're waiting on Trey Lance to develop. I, I would like to see uh, another year Jimmy G get Trey Lance a year in the system before we, you know, throw him to the Wolves like everyone else has like, to do. Like, like, by the end of the year, I think Trey Lance is starting, and I think next year you see Jimmy G starting on another team. Yeah. I agree. Overall, though, every single rookie, I mean, you know, you can't really even honestly include Trey Lance in the conversation because he's not starting for the team. He hasn't really played, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the the ones that have started have came out 
very, very flat. Uh, and some of that is, you know, all three of them are on bad teams. Uh, and some of that is, you know, I, th- I feel like of the quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence has probably had the most opportunity to, to do good things and hasn't. And is on the worst team of them all. Yeah, you could say that. I think the Jets are worse, but... But uh, when when we're looking at Offensive Rookie of the Year, I think this is going to be an off year in which that does not go to a quarterback. No, I, I don't think so either. I think I think we're going to see... Uh, I, think Jam- I think we're going to see Jamar Chase. Yeah, I was going to say Jamar Chase yeah, for the AFC at the very least. Uh, he'll, he'll take that. NFC Rookie of the Year, you know, could be... It's kind of a crapshoot, but... I'm pretty sure uh, it's just offensive and defensive rookie of the year, and it's not divided by conference. Mm. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'm not 100%, but like I'm 99% sure that's how that works. Anyway, um, yeah, that's us. That That's the guys. That's, uh, that's DJ's win championships. Yeah, that's... that's- <laughs> That's DWC. Thank you for for joining us it for was, the. Uh, I I doubt literally anybody besides us is hearing us talk about this right now. Yeah, but uh, on the but, off um, chance that somebody gives it a listen, uh, we appreciate it. And uh, but uh, see you next Wednesday for the same BS. If, if by any chance someone is listening, and you have a comment or suggestion you want to talk about, drop it, and we'll we'll let it rip. All right, this is uh this has been DWC. Signing Duval! off. <laughs>